Today's Survivor Podcast is sponsored by Swagbox. Finding out that you spend too much money on your Halloween costume can be scarier than losing all your rice. Find out how to get 14% cash back when you go Halloween shopping at select retailers by going to swagbox.com slash R-H-A-P. Coming to you live from my apartment, it's Rob Has a Podcast. And now here's the guy who's ready to dole out some missy-sized portions of podcasts, Rob Sisternino. Hello, everybody, and welcome back. Yes, it's another Survivor Thursday. And probably Friday or later by the time that you guys listen to this. But anyway, very excited to be back once again to talk about Survivor. We have a jam-packed show for you guys here this week. It's going to be a lot, a lot of fun. First, we are going to speak with the Dragon Slayer. Coach is going to be back for his fourth ever recap on Rob has a podcast. We're going to talk to him about everything going on on Survivor San Juan del Sur. And then later on after that, we're going to be speaking with my good friend Mike Bloom from the Survivor Historians. And then he's done a bunch of podcasts with us on Rob has a podcast and on post show recaps. We're going to talk with him as well. In between, we're going to check in with Jordan Kalish and we're going to hear what he has to say about everything going on with the This Week in Survivor History. So a jam packed show. For for you guys here today. Very excited to get into it. Of course, on Wednesday night, Survivor Blood versus Water 2, San Juan del Sur, episode number five. We saw Kelly Wentworth was the latest person to be voted out of the tribe. Stephen Fishback and I talked about it on Survivor Know-It-Alls. And then this morning, I had the opportunity to speak with Kelly on her exit interview. I thought she did a really, really nice job. So if you haven't heard that, I think it's definitely worth your listen. So go ahead and check that out on robhasawebsite.com. I thought she did a a really, really fun job. And hopefully uh, we can hear more from her in the future. So we've got a very, very big show today. Very excited to have you guys here with us. Make sure you never miss an episode of Rob as a Podcast. Get locked in. Rob has a website.com slash iTunes. We're very lucky to get featured in the iTunes store this week. So it was a very, very big week. We're also sneaking up on 1,000 Rob Has a Podcast episodes coming up. I'm going to talk later on in the show about my ideas for what I want to do for the 1,000th Rob Has a Podcast episode coming up in about a week and a half. But I don't want to waste any more time. So let's go ahead and bring in Coach. All right, everybody, I've got a real treat for you. Everybody's very excited for this. Here he is, that he's a three-time Survivor All-Star. He is making his fourth appearance on the recap here, talking about Survivor San Juan del Sur. Please welcome in Coach. Hey. Coach, how are you? Sweet. Awesome. I'm not on a treadmill. I'm not uh, doing uh, harmonic analysis or advanced calculus. Uh calculation. I'm actually driving. It's very mundane. I want to apologize to the listeners uh, up front that I'm not doing anything eclectic while I'm doing this podcast. I apologize. Well, driving is a little eclectic. (laughs) I I don't talk to a lot of survivors that are driving a vehicle. Well, there you go. I did just tell you, you know, I want to to let everybody know I just got gas uh, 20 cents higher than I normally do because I didn't want to get interrupted in the podcast. I wanted to be one shot one edit. Boom. There you go. Boom. There you go. All right. You doing anything good today? Um, I have so much good stuff. A little bit of wisdom, a little bit of folly. I'm ready to rock and roll. 
Okay. Well, Coach, first off, let me just congratulate you because uh, since the last time we talked to you on the podcast last season, uh, you welcomed a new daughter into the world. Congratulations. Yes, uh, Lena Marie Newton Wade. She's uh, she's incredible. I've posted pictures of her all the time, and just a just a real happy baby, and uh, always smiling, and uh, loves her dad. And it's pretty awesome, you know. Fatherhood, something I I would have never expected. Uh, you know, going into my first Survivor, two thousand and eight, I was a confirmed bachelor, no kids, no marriage, and you know who knew? It's uh, one of the greatest joys of my entire life to be a father, to be a husband. It's just, I'm just over the top with happiness. Yeah. Well, coach, it's been a theme this season. We talked to Kim Spradlin, who had a baby just uh, in the last year. We talked to Aris, who is recently a a new dad. So uh, it's been a season of survivors with babies. I'm waiting for John Cochran to get uh, married or or, uh, have a baby. That's what I'm waiting for. Yes, as I, I hear there's a, a paternity suit pending, so we'll see if we have an update soon. <laughs> All right. Coach, let's talk about Survivor here, uh, because that's what we're here to do. And so, uh, first off, let's just get your sense on the Blood versus Water 2 San Juan del Sur cast. Are you liking this season? Boring. Boring? No. Yeah, I, I gotta say, man, I... Um... This morning, I went downstairs and printed out a list of all the cast so I could make sure I got their names right. Yes. And, uh, because nobody's sticking out. And, uh, I mean, there are a few people that are sticking out, but, you know, I, of course, I left that sheet of paper on the uh, dining room table. Yeah, so well, that's probably best if you're driving. <laughs> well, you might have to refresh some of the names. But, you know, I don't know. It, it's really hard. You know, we've had a couple of really good seasons. Yes. And the, re- the reason why I've never wanted to take a job at a college or a university that just won the national championship is because where do you go from there? And so I think it's a little bit tough for this cast to, first of all, have a blood versus water one that was just off the chain. You know, Tyson, what a great job and what a great cast uh, of people on that season. And so you have that. And then, of course, you've had a a couple of just real um, amazing cast and gameplay in the last couple of Survivors. So probably, you know, that's that's part of my problem with this season. And I love Survivor. And, I, and usually I find the good um, in, in the cast members. This year, you know, I don't know if it's because there's no twists and turns or what's going on, but, you know, I feel like it's just kind of, um, it's just lagging a little bit. Yeah, I would say that I, I agree. I don't think we've had any really big characters or breakout characters uh, this season, but I didn't think it was uh, boring last night. I thought that there was at least uh, some interesting stuff going on. And at least last week, while the gameplay wasn't quite there, uh, at least it was sort of like a train wreck. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, that was that was, that was pretty interesting. It was uh, the boats. I've never seen boats spread out all over the place like that. So, yeah, I mean... You know, it has its moments, and of course, the show itself, and my wife says this, she was never a Survivor fan uh, before she met, met me, and we watch, you know, every every episode together, and she's just like, every season when it starts, she's like, this is just such a great concept, and it's just such, it's just so well put together that, you know, they're going to tell a story. I get that, and I like it that they're trying to tell a story um, with what they have. And there are going to be interesting moments, and the show itself obviously creates um, 
excitement and controversy. I think that, you know, the thing with the cast this year is that, you, you know, like with every cast, there's somebody out there that you want to say, wow, I'd like to be like that person. There's always somebody out there that's like, wow, that person is just, you know, absolutely gorgeous. There's that person that you're just like, I hate this person, want him to get voted off every week, i.e. Dragon Slayer in Survivor 18. People hated me with a passion. And then they love JT the passion. It was such a great, um, such a great mix. And so I guess we're all kind of waiting for that. You know, who are we supposed to hate this season? There's nobody. I mean, John Rocker, but then come on, that was a bogus rap. Um, you know, bring up the past like that. I get it. I understand how it happened. It was a, it was a great little storyline. It's too bad it didn't keep going uh, further on and, and let the animosity build. You know, he got a raw deal, but you know that would have been somebody that that people would love to hate. Coach, you sound very pro-John Rocker. Yeah, absolutely. And listen, I think the guy's an idiot as far as uh, his mouth and saying things that, you know, he's going to later regret. But as far as Survivor Gold, and also, you know, just the humanity part of it, where, you know, let's spin something that the guy said a decade ago and have that ruin as Survivor, because he was trying to protect your wife, you know, that 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 kind of was a bad rap. So, yeah, I, I, I definitely have got John Rocker's back. No, it must be you athletes stick together. <laughs> no, it's those of us who get a bum rap. That's <laughs> uh, okay. Well, let's let's get into talking about uh, some of this stuff from last night. Now they had the tribe swap last night. Now, coach, correct me if I'm wrong, but in your three seasons of Survivor, you played in three seasons that never did a tribe swap. Is that correct? Thank goodness. Oh. Every interesting, day, every no joke, every day. You know, because every every show that I was at, I and mean, even you know, people can say whatever they want to. I was in a pretty good spot, and you know, I Russell, if, if Sandra hadn't have whispered in his ears, you know, that moment before tribal council to get him to switch on me, I was in a pretty good spot all three times. So I always was afraid, especially in uh, Survivor twenty three when we had that great you know, alliance of six. And it was just like, I hope that the tribe doesn't swap because that can just ruin people's games. It's very unsettling to think that that could happen at any moment right when you're getting good with your tribe. I guess if I were on the outs with my tribe or, or was savvy enough to know that I was on the outs with my tribe, that you'd want to have that swap to change things up. So... Yeah, I consider Jeremy to be in a very similar situation prior to this episode like you were in in Survivor 23. And and correct me if I'm wrong, but I see Jeremy as the guy who is sort of, he got in there early on, he made his alliance of five, he has all of his ducks in a row, he knows what he wants to do. And now, after the tribe swap, he's in a very precarious situation, one that you easily could have been in in a similar spot in that season had they done a tribe swap. Absolutely. I, I, I thought the same thing when I was watching it last night, that he was in a great situation, and then all of a sudden, um, you know, tribe swap goes, and, and where is his alliance? And he's, you know, I think he's a good enough player. I, I like how he's playing. He is one of my favorites. Um, and I think it was probably good for him that uh, his wife got voted out. But, no, I, I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna manage to do it. Somebody like Marty, though, who was um, on his season in Nicaragua, same location, ironically. You know, he was very ingrained in his alliance, and that tribe swap completely screwed him. And uh, his end was 
obviously imminent as soon as the tribe swap happens. Yeah. Coach, I just think that's super interesting that you happen to play in three seasons and, you know, they do the tribe swap probably. I'd have to go and take a look at the numbers, but I'd guess around like, you know, 50, 60 percent of the time you just happen to play three times and they never did it. I think that's kind of an interesting stat. Well, I called Mark Burnett before I went on and just said, hey, if there's a tribe swap, I'm not playing. Yeah. And uh, so he he agreed with me and, and I was fortunate to have a little bit of power with the producers of the show. As you <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's, that's really, really interesting. So, do you think that Jeremy can bounce back from something like this? Because it looks like in the situation that he's in, you know, he has one of the twinnies, uh, he has Natalie with him, and then they also, I think, have John Rocker's girlfriend, Julie, which gives them three, but... On the other side of things, you have Josh and you have Reed together. Plus, they have maybe Wes and Alec also on their side, with Alec sort of being the person who's up for grabs. Do you think that they could convince Alec to come over with them and join the, hey, our loved one is voted out, let's make a new thing together alliance? Yeah, that's good. You know, I think that's a good point. I think that um, then you could see that, you know, they were, they were uh, you know, pushing hard for... Alec to come over and join them. I think that, I think, first of all, that uh, Julie, John Rocker's girlfriend, I think she is playing a very uh, underestimated game. You know, she's uh, putting her nose down. She's very good. I think her also, um, for her also, it was good that that uh, her loved one was voted out early because now she can kind of play her own game. But I think she's, a, for me, she's kind of a dark horse for somebody that is going to work hard, do good in challenges, not do great in challenges, but play the social game, um, and she's got, you know, good looks on her side, and also she can say, you know, hey, I had this target at the beginning because this was my boyfriend, and I escaped it and made my own way. So she's kind of my dark horse. I'll just put that as a side note. Um, you know, I think that at the moment that, that Josh and Reed, who I love, I, I tweeted them, you know, hashtag the uh, Broadway boys, I think that they... I really like them, and I think that, you know, obviously Josh is great. He's he's the one that they've picked to be the storyteller a lot of the time. Um, he's the guy that they go to to just lay it out and say, this is what's going on with the tribe right before you hit uh, tribal council. So he's kind of the, the storyteller, the bard of the season. I think, though, he is – my fear for him is that he's going to overplay the game. Um, whereas, on the other hand, I think Jeremy is – is very smart. He comes across likable. He comes across as not playing too hard, and he also comes across as being um, very straightforward and honest. So I would have to think that they're going to get Alec to go with them, and that they're going to target um, Josh for me. That's what I think. In fact, I thought if they lost the tribal, I mean, if they had lost immunity yesterday, I thought that maybe uh, Josh or Reed one of the two would be in jeopardy. Yeah, it's sort of an interesting dynamic that they have after this tribe swap where you have on the one tribe, you have all of the pairs um, plus Keith. And then on the other tribe, you have all of the singles uh, or and a lot of people that have lost their loved one plus Reed and Josh. And so while at face value, it's like, oh, great, this is great. I'm back with my loved one. Uh, it does put a big target on their back. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. And so do you think that, is there any way that Reed and Josh can overcome this? There's always a chance. You know, obviously, they're, they're two smart guys. It's it's kind of the yin and the yang, right? I mean, you have 
Uh, Josh, who's very vocal and seems to be playing the game, could just be the edit. Then you've got Reed, who's very, you know, kind of quiet and and uh, under the radar. So it'll be interesting. I think that they can, but it's all about seeing the people around you and seeing that swing vote if, let's say, you know, Alec is, Alec is going to play a good part of that. But it's all about going to that guy, as it seemed like they were doing when they were surrounding it, surrounded Drown or whatever he, Jeremy called it. Yeah. It's pretty cool. A pretty cool analogy. That's what we did with John Cochran, and I was kind of the focal point of that. It's been, been uh, Survivor 23. You today. did surround and drown to Cochran? Well, I mean, I mainly did it, but I did also have people on the tribe also come and just give him love because I, I, I watched it. I watched him. I watched the tribe. I watched to see what he was lacking. He was lacking respect, and he was lacking love, and he was lacking appreciation for his uh, brain. That's the three things that, that human beings that human beings want, right? Love, respect, and appreciation. It's not often that we get all three of those. You can be respected, but not loved. You can be appreciated, but not respected. So anyway. Um, hey, let me know, write we, that down. I, what is that? Love, respect, and appreciation. Yes. Like, okay. Let me give you an example. Because it's actually, I, I do I, I do motivational speaking, and one of my you know, one of my topics is how to get, you know, all three of these. Like, for me, as a soccer coach, sometimes uh, my soccer players don't love me, but they certainly respect me, and I'm glad of that. Uh, I don't think that they appreciate me, and they don't appreciate the creativity of my practices. My bosses, you know, do they respect me? Yeah. Do they appreciate me? Definitely. Do they love me? No. So anyway, when you find all three of those, and you can, and you can pull those three things, and that's what I try to make my soccer players feel. It would be very easy for me to disrespect my soccer players after they blow a game when we're up to nothing and we lose three to two like we did earlier this season. But I continue to show them that respect. I continue to show them that love, whether they win or lose. And I continue to show them that I appreciate them. Uh, I individually talk to them about life outside of soccer. Therefore, when we're down to nothing six minutes ago last Friday against uh, conference rivals, uh, we came back and scored two goals in the last six minutes. And maybe part of that is because I gave them that cornerstone, that triangle of power of being loved, appreciated, respected. So I saw that with John Cochran. Incidentally, those were the three things that he was lacking in his tribe. So it was very easy for us, for me to go and say, hey, man, you're not getting this there. They don't value you. We will value you. Come over to this side. So I think if they do that, and if, and if Alec is smart enough to see that, which is a question mark in my mind if he's actually astute enough to see that or if he's just going to put his head in the stand like the ostrich and not, and not figure out, you know, what's going on around him. I think they'll be able to, to swing him. Okay, so Jeremy needs to figure out what he's lacking and bring that to Alec. Do you think that he is going to be able to be successful in that? Because I don't know if Alec necessarily is going to uh, be too into doing the Jeremy thing. Sure. You know, I mean, what I think is this is what they should do, okay? Because, again... When we're talking about level of intelligence, we don't really know, but we see what the editors are doing. Alec does seem to be a little bit more socially aware than his brother Drew was. Yeah. But, but here's the thing. Here's what I would do. And here's how you play blood versus water. You take their loved one and you, and you suck up to them after they're gone in terms of just saying, my goodness, I loved your brother. I wanted to play with him. I was in an alliance with him. 
It's too bad he got voted off. I was totally against that. You're the next best thing. I, you guys are a lot alike. I see uh, you and him and him and you, and I want to play this game with you. And if you do that in blood versus water, you can take it to the bank. That's going to be the way to anybody's heart. They're missing their loved one. They're experiencing uh, emotional withdrawal because they don't see that person every day. Um, they're connected to them, obviously, in some form or fashion. And so if you go in that route, I think that that's the way to Alec and anybody's heart if their loved one has been voted off. So you're saying to vote off the loved one and then find the other loved one and say that you tried to keep them? No, 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 no. I'm not that type of player. I'm just saying that if somebody's loved one is voted off, you pull on that heartstring. That's the angle that you take to say, I was on the tribe. So whoever was on the tribe through should be going up to Alex saying, I loved your brother. He was awesome. I didn't want him to come out, you know, be voted out. And I want to play this game with you. Yeah. Well, in the case of Jeremy, though, he was one of the people that voted Drew out of the tribe. Do you think that he could play that card? Uh, well, obviously, I think just about everybody plays that card of he said, she said when they really didn't say it. So absolutely. I mean, that's that's the tactic you have to take right now. Okay. I want to go over to the other tribe and let's talk about the vote that happened last night because I was very confused because I really thought it was going to be Dale. I was very surprised to see Kelly be the one to be voted out, especially because it was Dale that got into all of this feuding with Missy and with Baylor. Were you surprised that it was Kelly that got voted out last night instead of Dale? Yeah, you know, I was trying to think about that. I I was trying to think, well, did they think that Dale had an idol? And so they didn't want to waste the votes on him. Um, I wasn't really sure about that. Of course, you don't know what's going on in challenges, really. You know, I mean, has he been hiding in challenges that they think, well, we'll keep the tribe strong? They think that he had an idol. Yeah, that's interesting that you bring up the specter of the hidden immunity idol because I know that they did have a split vote and they also said that Kelly was out there looking for the idol. In the previews for next week, Dale is talking about his uh, immunity idol. We saw him in the first episode take that thing off the well. Do you think that Dale was probably trying to let people think that he did have the hidden immunity idol? I don't think so because, and again, you know, the first time you play Survivor, you're not as aware as after you played it. You know, I mean, if he had that, he should have been showing it and he should have showed it earlier and he should have said, hey, if you guys do vote me at the last second, I'm going to give it to my daughter. I think you're voting her off or I'm going to play it for myself and something might happen or I don't know. I mean, so I don't really think that it was an issue at that time. I think that they went into tribal council thinking that they had the votes, that they had a connection uh, with the model couple and that they were going to get out of that tribal council unscathed, that's what I think. Well, it's interesting, though, because, I mean, that's what you're saying is all well and good when you actually have the idol, but are the rules differently how you would play it when you're bluffing that you have the idol? Of course, this has been the season of bluffing you have an idol when you don't have one, going back to Val, when she said she had two, and she didn't even have one. You know, I mean, perception becomes reality. So I, I don't think that, I think if you want to sell it, that you should approach exactly the same. Um, so, I, I don't know. That, that's probably not a very good answer. Yeah. Now, 
Coach, we haven't ever seen a situation like this, not even in the first Blood versus Water, where you have people who are like really like angry with each other for voting out their loved ones. Do you think that this is just going to be a powder keg next week when we get back from Tribal Council and then Missy and Dale are going to just really get into it over everything that was aired out of Tribal Council and then Missy and Baylor voting out Dale's daughter? Oh, boy, you know, that's a, that's a good question. I think that Dale actually he kept his he kept his anger in check, you know, because there's a close-up on him as his daughter is leaving. I thought, you know, I mean, if, if I put myself in that situation now that I have a daughter, and if somebody had voted my daughter out, I probably would have turned around and cussed out everybody in tribal council, just, you know, because of your emotional. And so he did a really good job of holding it in check. Um... And so now, you know, what it looks like is he's going to play cool and he's going to say, okay, I, you know, you guys voted it out. Let me pick up pieces. Here's an idol. And uh, let me move forward with my own game kind of thing. I think that, you know, that the time for volatility might have passed. Um, but obviously, if it didn't, then that could get him into serious trouble. It's really weird. You know, they said it, you know, for them to all go back to tribal. It's a very unusual situation. It's awkward enough coming back from tribal with one of your uh, one of the people in your alliance has been voted out or you've been blindsided to come back to tribal where your loved one has been voted out by your peers. Uh, it's got to be so awkward. Even, even, even the walk back to uh, camp has got to be super awkward. Yeah. I mean, it's funny because we just really didn't have this, this that much in Survivor Blood versus Water, the first one. And maybe that was way, the way that the you know pairs of loved ones were sort of split up and then the way that the swap ended up happening. But, you know, we, re- we really didn't have that where people, except maybe like uh, when Vetus got, uh, he stayed in the game after Aris left. But, you know, Vetus was really trying to, you know, scrap to stay in the game. At that point, there really wasn't a lot of like, you know, I'm so mad at you. You voted out my loved one with the exception of the first couple of people that went out. And then you had all that stuff that happened at uh, Redemption Island. Exactly. Yep. Yep. Do you think that Exile Island is done for this season, coach? Hmm, good question. Exile has been a little bit disappointing, obviously. You know, it's not um, it's not as epic as we've seen in the past. Of, well, of course LSA. not. Um, and so, yeah, you know, it's kind, of a, it's kind of a letdown. But of course, when you send, you know, two people to exile, then it's obviously going to be different dynamics than if you just send one person. I don't know. I think that, uh, the, the, I guess the question is, has it come off as a big part of the storyline? And I don't think that it has. You know, have, have, have people come back and form an exile alliance or whatever? We, we haven't really seen that thread. Um, come out yet. So, and there hasn't been really any epic scenes with there. I would say that it's done. Yeah. Now, Coach, a lot of people felt like Exile Island was over after you went in Survivor Token Sheens, and people felt like that you were the one who slayed Exile Island so that it would never <laughs> come back again. And now, what gives? They bring it back 11 seasons later. That's funny. Um, there hasn't been an Exile since my last Exile. I believe that's the last time they did it. That you went wow. there, you came back, and you said that uh, Exile Island, you know, hit me with your best shot, Pat Benatar. That's it. And then they said, you know what? That's right. Coach beat it. Oh, wow. That's crazy. Um, uh, good thing, man. I mean, it was pretty crazy. I remember, I'll, I'll never forget. This is a funny story. You know, I go out to Exile, 
and you don't talk to the cameramen, you can't talk to the producers. But you know, we're on we're just out in the middle of nowhere and there's this producer and uh we're walking down this path to get to the sand dune and, and I'm like, Hey, you know, how you doing? And he doesn't say anything and I'm like, Come on, man, it's just you and me And um he doesn't say anything, so I was like, So, you know, what's the deal, man? You like your job? Is this awesome or what? He was like, No, not really. So he starts opening up to me. And uh he says, yeah, not really. I said, why not? It's like the greatest job in the world. He's like, I film the guys for three days. I film the guys that come out of for exile because he was just the exile producer. And he was like, I'm filming these guys for three days and they get 15 seconds of airtime. So we are going to change that this time. <laughs> and it's really funny that I said, and we totally did. I mean, geez, it was like, you know, 10 minutes of exile. So that might have been the case. It, it was interesting. I certainly love that time on exile and I remember it and, very powerful moment in my life. Actually, it's the most powerful moment probably on all three survivors. So you went to Exile Island and you talked to the producer and you and you showed him the love, respect, and appreciation and then you, you built this story? This is why I love doing your podcast. You're right, I did. I was like, man, we're going to change that. You and me, just keep the cameras rolling. I'll give you enough gold where you will be validated and you will be appreciated. And, you know, geez, you know, those, those things definitely made that episode, if not, you know, a little bit the latter half of the season, and, and especially my, you know, exit of the, the, you know, the life and death of the Dragon Slayer was all in that episode. So, yeah, definitely good analogy. I liked it. Yeah. Now, that was a very, one of the more epic Exile Island moments, I think, in the history of the show, if not the most epic. Well, thank you. Humbly. Yeah. Yes. Really, thank you. So it's a tall bar that has been set for Exile Island now. And so when things that dramatic don't end up happening, uh, then we say it's it's not as good as it used to be. Do you think that Exile Island should be just one person or do you like having the two people so that people can sort of make these cross-tribal alliances? Yeah, no, I think it's good. You know, I mean, in, in the season that I went to Exile in the beginning, you know, it was two people that went, and then afterward, then it was one person that went, which I thought was a great dynamic. So, you know what? Maybe they'll do that. Um, you know, maybe they'll do that with this season, where they're, they're now going to, well, when the tribes merge, then they'll just send one person. Of course, you know, when they first showed Exile, I was looking at it, and I saw that big that big uh, outcropping of rock as it went straight up in the air, and I started thinking, man, where would I do Tai Chi on that? Can I climb up there? Because that would be pretty epic scenery with the helicopter flying in and, and showing me on that. I don't think anybody's going to be doing that this year, but yeah. I was thinking about it. They did do a shot last week of Drew Christie like standing up on top of like that Tower of Rocks, and uh, it was like, uh, what what does this mean? Is this some sort of a, a signal? But then he was voted out by the end of the episode. I did not catch that, man. I did not catch that. Yeah. he was. Well, he's basically a badass, that guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh. Coach, I want to talk with you about this trading that's been going on this season because it reached an, a new level last night. And as somebody who has been out there three times, I'm sure you have a lot of thoughts on this. So it started out this season where this tribe, the Hunapu tribe, they lost their flint. They went to the reward challenge and said, hey, Jeff, we want to trade uh, these beans for a flint. And Jeff laughed at them. Then they found their flint and said, hey, Jeff, can we trade this flint for some fishing gear? And then he laughed at them again. And then last night they said, oh, um, we ate all our rice. Uh, can you give us more rice? 
And Jeff said, uh, let me think about it. I'll be back tomorrow with an offer on this. Now, do you think first, should Jeff Probst even entertain giving them more rice? Well, I mean, you know, I think that it's a humorous situation. I think the first time was, was humorous. Jeff had the right response. Um, you know, a, a very little known element about Survivor is that you actually have to go out there and survive. And since, you know, the show is focused on the drama and alliances and the cool challenges, which, by the way, Kerhoff is doing a great job. I mean, how many new challenges have we seen this season? Been good love, challenges. Love challenge. Yeah. But, you know, it's a very under underestimated and very under um, appreciated storyline because they don't show it, but the suffering that goes on out there. So if you take that away and if you allow for people to be irresponsible with their rationing, you know, because when we had rice and beans, I totally understand how people would get bad of other people, especially from another tribe, coming in and using up all their rations. You know, we were trying to be very careful about our rice and beans and the in the uh, in token genes, which is why we all got into it over the burning beans. But you know, I think Jeff, I think Jeff shouldn't go there, and I think that it's it's an amusing sideline side story, but I also think that it shows how they're reaching uh, for this season. You know, maybe they're down there filming and saying, ah, oh, it's not any big characters, the story's lagging, so let's entertain them. I think if Jeff comes and says, you know, we're going to take the fishing gear for the theme to rights, I think that the future of Survivor is going to be a little bit tarnished and ruined, in my opinion, because then you can go out there and eat like buttons and not pay for it. You have to pay for it at some point down the line, because the show is based on surviving um, without modern resources. Um, so anyway, that's what I think. I What I do think is going to happen when he says it's going to be a steep price, I think he's going to say, you guys have to go to Trump Council regardless of the challenge. We won't have an immediate challenge. You guys will have to vote off one person. I think that's what he's going to say. Yeah. And I guess I would, I would, at this point, since we've gone there, That'll be that'll be suffice. Yeah, they're stupid if they take up take them up on it. I mean, come on, everybody on the show loses weight. Human body can lose forty pounds and still be alive. Um, but it'll be interesting to see what happens. But see, the unfortunate thing is that that's not part of the storyline. Now that's gonna that's part of the preview for next week. To me, that means that this you know they're stretching they're stretching the plot of the story. Got it. Because it's not very interesting. Going back to my very first comment at the beginning of this podcast. Yes. Now, on sort of a, uh, you know, a micro or a macro level, I feel like you can make some comparisons here to the role of the Survivor production, whether if you want to just look at it on a smaller level, like, you know, parents of children... Uh, and you could say adult children or or younger children. And even, you know, you could probably stretch it as far as society. And so do you feel like does production have a role here where they need to say to their kids, look, I, if I bail you out now, you know, you and future Survivor players will never learn what you have to do to survive. Like, do they almost need to give them tough love of, hey, you guys made this mess. You need to figure it out yourselves go fishing, go do something, but you have to be able to fend for yourselves. If we bail you out now, we're just going to have to keep bailing you out. Well, obviously. Obviously, you're right, 100%. You know, I, I'll be very disappointed to see how this plays out one way or the other because it's about survival. And, you know, what 
would be great to see is, you know, a shot of somebody's rib cage at two weeks and the producers asking them, hey, what were you thinking on day one when you were gorging yourself with food? You know, isn't this supposed to be about uh, survival? You know, what were you thinking about then? Were you thinking that this day would come and show people in complete misery and saying, well, you know, and get the, get the people to say, yeah, for every um, action, there's a reaction. You know, for every one of our uh, actions, there's a consequence. And we have to live with those consequences. The bed that we make, we've got to lay in. And so, you know, I, I think that it would be great to see some tough love. And also, it would give the producers a chance, if the plot is lacking a little bit, you know, that they would show the elements of survival a little bit more. This could be the season to show, you know, just what it is like out there. It's why people like Naked and Afraid so much is because it really just focuses on how miserable you are with your future comforts of normal society. Now, you wouldn't do that show, right? I would never, ever do that show. <laughs> why? I but do not want my wiener hanging around for bugs to bite leeches to suck on and uh, all other kinds of various and sundry uh, negative items that can happen with my bunghole, um, which has already happened in the Amazon, but we won't tell that story today. And uh, also, you know, my, my wieners say for one thing, maybe two. Anyway, so uh, let's continue on. We don't want to go down that, that route. Boy, uh, I did not know that uh, we were going to uh, hear that today. <laughs> <laughs> So I, I look at those guys that do negative phrases. I'm like, never. I don't care what they would. What do they pay? Like twenty five thousand, something like that, between the two. It's fifty thousand. What is it? I don't even know what it is. It's not that much money. Yeah. It's like twenty five thousand per person to put your body through that for twenty one days. And I would say that most of those people probably have permanent ailments with their body. Yeah. And their immune system. And that's just like so not worth it. Yeah, I would never, ever do that show. Coach, one more thing about the rice. I just want to know, in all your experience on Survivor, did you ever run into issues with people over the rationing of of the portions of rice? And I, I'd love to know which side of that debate do you fall on? Are you in the conserve, conserve, or are you saying, hey, if we've got it, let's eat it? Yeah, you know, I mean, you can uh, get uh, Rob's fact checker in on this one, but you should see who's lost the most weight on Survivor. And I, I'd say I'd be up to the top, top 10. You know, I came into token jeans pretty hefty. I lost eight inches of, of muscle on my chest that season. I've never gained it back. Um, you know, my waist was at 26 after I got out. I was, everybody said I looked like I was in a concentration camp. And, um, you know, part of the reason for that is because in the beginning, you know, we get a set amount of rice. And I, I wanted to, you know, let's conserve it. We're going to be out here for 39 days, let's conserve it so that on the 36th day, we at least have a mouthful of rice. And the tribe was more into, let's just eat it all right now. And so we started rationing a little bit, and people around camp were just super lethargic and just not really, you know, we'd have a challenge. People would just be, I don't know, I don't have the energy. And so what we would do is we would have two spoonfuls in the morning and then we'd have two spoonfuls in the afternoon each. That's it. And so when people like Brandon or Brendan started eating like crazy and, you know, he had a lot of muscle and he was eating like crazy, it, it caused a little bit of resentment. And sometimes when the girls who are the skinniest eat, you know, equal portions, it bothers some of the big alpha males. I ended up giving my portions away to people, which is why I lost more weight than anybody that season. 
I ended up giving my portions away to people because I wanted them to be strong. And I feel like, you know, when, I, when you're out there on Survivor, and I'm not trying to pat myself on the back, but the doctors would always say, you seem like you're getting stronger throughout the season instead of getting weaker. And I feel like in, in that environment, with mentally and meditationally, I'm, I'm really focused. Food is not really um, a factor. You block it out, you deal with the pain, you're on such a different spiritual level um, than maybe some of the people on your tribe that you get stronger the entire time you go out there. You know, the first season when I went on exile, the doctors begged me, don't do this. You need to eat. You've lost, you know, 40 pounds already. You need to eat. You need to drink water. Um, we are worried about your health. Don't do this. And I just looked at him and smiled and I said, you know what? When I come back from this, my best challenge is going to be after Exile Island. And it was. I was, I was the least competitive in the beginning, and I was the most competitive at the end. So, yeah, there was a situation with that. That's the only season I've had, though, where we had means and rights. The other two seasons we just had uh, coconuts. And it, got, and it got really lean. I mean, you know, some people in uh, Redemption Island would drink the coconuts and throw the coconuts away and not eat the coconut um, in the middle, and they'd waste a lot of food. And so when it came down to, to day 30, there were no more coconuts. Um, available on the ground. So we really starved those last uh, eight or nine days. Now, Coach, one just one last thing on the on the beans and the rice in, in this case. Uh, we saw last night that Dale and Missy were getting into it over the portions, and maybe that was a thing that somewhat led to Dale being uh, targeted, or at least Dale and Kelly being targeted by that pair. Um, in your original season in Survivor Token Chains, uh, you feuded with Candace over the way that she was preparing the beans and the rice. She wanted to put everything in one pot and, and cook it together. Um, at what point is it worth it to fight with other tribe mates over uh, things like food preparation? <laughs> Watching the show, it's foolish. Playing the show, it's vital. You know, we're all, we all become very animalistic when we go out there. And so it's our territory. And it's heightened this season because people from outside of your camp who obviously have not crashed their beans and rice are now coming into your camp and eating your carefully rationed portions of beans and rice. Candace and I got over to it, got over it because nobody could digest the food. That's why Jerry has to be voted out. Um, the guy that was with the National Guard, yes. Jerry Atkins voted out because the vast reflux is so bad, he couldn't swallow, he couldn't eat a bite. The problem was, it's common sense. Part beans, you soak them for six hours, at least, sometimes 12 hours, and sometimes overnight, and then you cook them uh, for two hours. Fact, I cooked. I cooked all the meals in my family. My dad was a cook. My grandfather owned a restaurant. I cooked every meal at home. I loved cooking, and uh, I cooked you know, I could just not ever do that. Anyway, so that's just common sense. How long, how long does rice cook? Everybody knows that because every bachelor's cook a pot of rice for dinner. It takes 25 minutes. So let's see. You take beans that have not been soaked, put it in the water, and you put rice, and what are the beans going to be? Beans are going to be absolutely hard. You're not going to be able to digest them. They're going to be very difficult to eat, very difficult to swallow. But where the rice is going to get too hard, too mushy, and uh, so it's just a bad combination. My my thoughts were to soak the beans and then 
wait overnight, and you have well, it would mean one meal without being kept for bed. Jeez, we wouldn't want to do that, would we? Right. So they just never bought into it, and we started arguing about it. And I said something like, "Beans, beans, beans. Who gives a rip about these beans?" And that was just kind of me throwing in the towel, saying, "You know what? It's not worth my time." Although in the moment, uh, it was critical to our survival and to our energy levels. At the end of the day, and we both kind of just were like, "Screw it." not worth arguing about. But in the moment, it becomes very important. It's on with you. I don't think you should be cooking the rice and the beans at the same time. Now, Brandon Hance told me it's okay to dump out the rice and the beans at the same time. Is that true? <laughs> yeah, if you're going to be an a-hole about it, sure, dump them out at the same time. That's critical to do. I mean, you'd be foolish to just dump out the rice. You know, you might both dump out both of them at the same time for a double whammy, a little one punch. <laughs> Uh, and we won't even get into uh, whether you should pee in the rice and the beans at the same time. That's a different conversation. But let's there get into <laughs> let's get into some of the questions I have for you, Coach. Of course, uh, you know everybody was in a frenzy that you were coming on the show today. So we have a lot of questions for you from the listeners of Rob as a podcast on our Facebook fan page. We do this every Thursday. Go to facebook.com slash Rob has a podcast uh, every week to get in on the questions for our survivor guests. And let me start off with uh, this question from this is from Patrick B. Layer. And Patrick wants to know, coach, can you walk us through a coach negotiation if your tribe was to lose the flint or run out of the rice? OK, so how do you approach this? Let's just take it in this in the uh, talking about the flint. OK, you guys lost your flint and you're in the position of having to go and talk to Jeff about that. What's the way? How do you show Jeff the love, respect, and appreciation to get a new Flint without getting totally ripped off in any dealing with him? Well, truthfully, I would be the one raising my hand saying, Jeff, please punish our tribe because we're negligent in uh, both the consumption of food and the losing of our plants. I would not negotiate with Jeff, but if somebody said you're voted out unless you negotiate with Jeff, I would say, Jeff, I realize that I'm the goose that lays the golden egg out here in confessionals. I'm going to clam up unless you give us what we need. You Blackmail. Yeah, <laughs> <you> ransom. <laughs> <laughs> and you think that would work? He'd say, all right, hey, hey, hey coach, please, I, I can't. I can't have you take your golden confessionals away from us. It'll be done. Seasonal tank. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, my God. Uh, the, you're playing hardball. No, he wouldn't. I know what he wants. Forget about love, value, and appreciate it. Just already has enough of that in his life. I hit him where it hurts. You want this season to be golden? You better give us something or I'm done. I'll just sit there like a bump on a log and confessional. So, Coach, what do you think about the... So tell us, man, you know, some people are saying you're really arrogant out here, and, and what about those other people I'd say? Oh, well, they can talk bad about me. It is what it is. <laughs> Sheldon Coupon wants to know, who is the warrior of the season? Well, first of all, let me just give a little shout-out to Sheldon. So, uh, uh, warrior of the season. Oh, man. Warrior, I'd say Jeremy. I think Jeremy's going to, I think Jeremy's the warrior of the season. Like I said, he's trustworthy, seems to be honorable. As soon as he, somebody said, you know, hey, I've got, uh, he's got the idol. I think uh, when uh, when uh, he said he's got the idol, which was a stupid play on his part, then he was immediately like, okay, you're done. I'll send you out of my alliance. 
So I respect that. And now on the other side of the coin, uh, here is a question from Henry Di Maria, who wants to know, Coach, who is the dragon yet to be slain this season? Love to hear from you again, Coach. Which one of the twins is still in? Is it Nadia? Uh, Natalie is still there. Nadia was voted out. Okay. Hey, sorry. I mean, I'm sorry, but, you know, when they were talking about amazing race at the beginning, I was sticking my finger in my mouth and just thinking, you know, Nobody knows anybody from Amazing Race, right? I love Amazing Race, but nobody knows it because it's not focused on the development of characters. It's focused on challenges and where they're going in the world. So, you know, <laughs> Amazing Race, that's not the card that you bring into Survivor is saying, this is my claim to fame, this is my, this is who I am. Uh, so I'd probably say Natalie is the dragon to be slain. She reminds me a little bit of, uh, of Sierra in my first season. Oh, my God. Now, so you you said you liked the Amazing Race. Had you known who the Twinnies were before the season started? No. Okay. All right. Well, all right. They, they were like, uh, you know, sorry, I'm going to piss a lot of people off. They were like, nobody's an Amazing Race, so obviously nobody knows about them. Oh, coach, how dare you? How dare you? Sorry, <laughs> sorry. I had to get one stark comment in. Okay. Uh, let's take a question of, again, this is from Patrick, who says, uh, Coach, are you following the Amazing Race this season? Because Keith and Whitney are on it. Are you watching Keith and Whitney on the Amazing Race this season? Uh, no, I'm not watching those adulterers. <laughs> Coach. I've, I've actually boycotted the season because of that. Look, my, my brother was best friends with Whitney's uh, husband coming down. He was telling my brother all kinds of stuff. Oh, you know, this, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that, and you know, I just love her so much, and, and that poor guy, talk about a blind side. Um, and so my brother gave me an earful about that, and that, that kind of poisoned the well right there. So, so I'm you, actually boycotting this season of Amazing Race. All right, hold That's on, back up. So you're so this is from the family visit in Survivor South Pacific, right? I want to make sure I'm, I'm understanding this. Yeah, sorry. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm just kind of... No, no, that's okay. The, the, so, and your bro- your brother was what became friendly with with Whitney's family visit, and that guy doesn't like Keith. Everybody loves Peter. That's my brother. Everybody loves Keith. Um, and so he was kind of you know he still talks to Conference mom who was all down there, and he didn't get to see her, and he talks to you know Whitney's ex husband, and so my brother was like in the mix socially with all those people. And, uh, and he really liked Whitney's husband at the time. And, of course, at that time, Whitney and Keith were shagging off at uh, Ponderosa. And uh, this poor guy is coming down there with his heart on his sleeve saying, you know, this is my soulmate, and I can't even live without her, and I'm going to do this for her, and I brought this present down for her. And, you know, when we get back home, this poor schmuck was, you know, really just as faithful as could be. And Whitney obviously had other plans. You know, huh? I don't really get. I, I'm I'm old school. I'm sorry. I, I a lot of people are going to hate me for saying this, but I waited until I was 40, 40 to get married, and I waited because I knew that if I got married when I was younger, things weren't going to go the way I wanted to go. I only wanted to get married one time in this life, so I waited for a long time. I believe in one marriage. So all the old fashioned. I'm sorry, people won't like it for that. Hey, Keith's a pretty dreamy guy, Coach. The heart wants what the heart wants. 
But uh, <laughs> it doesn't excuse adultery, man. <laughs> like, you know, you just don't do that. If you want to get a divorce, okay, get a divorce. But wait till it happens before you jump into the island, oh man. That's just like, Allegedly. Not, I, don't, I don't have to, it's my opinion to be as old as I want it to be. I'm never going back on Survivor again, right? So I don't have to, I don't have a fear of playing with anybody uh, for them to, to dislike what I say about them. That's very, that's very freeing. Um, approach, actually. Because, you know, a lot of times you do these interviews and you're thinking, oh, you know, what if I say this and I piss that person off so you just end up being nice to a lot of people. I don't have to worry about that. All right. Well, on that note, Patrick Hagen wants to know, Coach, I thought you said you were retiring after Coach Cast 3 to coincide with your three times on Survivor. Uh, what happened? Does this mean we can expect you one more time on the island? And also, today's my birthday, so I was wondering if the Dragon Slayer could wish me a happy one. This is Patrick Hagen. Patrick Hagen, please tell me on Happy uh, birthday to you. Um... Yeah, so I said I was retired from the podcast, but how could you say no to Bob Sutton? You know? <laughs> a lot of people no. do, especially my wife. <laughs> how could you say no to You can't. I had to do it. Um, and especially knowing that I'm retired from Survivor, uh, I felt it safe to come back on here, knowing that I could get a little juice from the Survivor community, a little bit of love, respect, appreciation from the Survivor community and yet not disappear for two months and not get to see my little baby girl and my swag boy son, Abbott. I, I, uh, I'm safe in this podcast. It'll only be an hour and a half. I'm safe for that. Yeah. No, but... Coach, I saw on Twitter the other day that Jeff Probst was talking about how they got to bring you back again. How did you catch that? I, well, I have nothing that goes goes underneath my radar. We have a, a network of people that are monitoring all things on Survivor social media. That was crazy that you caught that. Um, I was very flattered. I love Jeff. I really do. I totally love him. I, I've got nothing but respect and love for him. So I did see that. I was very flattered that he said that. I know that they would like me to come back, but I'm a dad now. I mean, this is like... I'm not, I'm not as hardcore as Boston Bob and, and Tony Palachos that can go out there with a little baby at home. I can't do that. You know, my white boy says he'll never have a second old game in soccer ever again. He'll never have a spring recital when he's six again. So, you know, these moments, they pass us by. I don't want to miss a second of these kids' lives. I regret it later on, but at the moment, I'm just so happy to be a dad. I just can't see myself being torn away from, from, from the family. I know, but you might never have another time to be a fourth time on Survivor again. That is true. But you know what? If it were my first time, I would probably do it. Even if it were my second time. But I've, I've done the show three times. So, you know, three times is great. I can hardly do better than I did last time. So I feel like Never say never. I mean, you know, the best thing is that when you, when you get the phone call, everything changes. You can say as much as you want to beforehand. And just being totally honest, I don't want to leave, leave my family. But you get that phone call, and the adrenaline rush gets probably like John Rocker when he first got drafted to get that phone call. Yeah, this is who you're signing for. You know, it's like, wow, everything kind of changes. So you never say never, but at the moment, I know a lot of people ask. I think I'm tired. 
Yeah, when when you get that phone call, then you start saying like, "Well, it's only like five weeks. It's not even real. What is it like? It's like a month. It's it's really you know like one month out of the year. I mean, and then it's on for a long time, and, and you start you start to try to uh, you know it's easy to say no now, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. All right, uh, Peter Fiverson has a question. A couple people asked me about this. Coach, what does the Hebrew writing on your tattoo translate to? Okay, it's actually the most talked about tattoo on my body. And when I travel, every single uh, Jewish person that I meet stops me and reads it. Um, my dad has an Old Testament in Hebrew, and um, I took it right out of that. It's not some tattoo artist Google interpretation of a uh, Bible verse. But anyway, so the uh, the one on top is taken out of the Pentateuch, uh, which is the first five verses of the Bible. Genesis 49 is the prophecy of the tribe of Benjamin, which, as you know, is my first name. Please don't call me by it. I will not. But uh, it says, Benjamin is a ravenous wolf. In the morning, he devours his prey, and then it means he divides the plunder. And then the one on the bottom is Psalm 23.1, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with Wow. Okay. Good to know. Very interesting. Uh, Mark Solera wants to know, do you have any nicknames in mind for this cast? I know you're the king of Survivor nicknames. I will tell you this. Maybe we can circle back on this later on. I, I Putting down the cast this morning, I was going to give everybody an, an analogy with the Game of Thrones and uh, put somebody in line. Okay, so this person is like, Kiersey and this person is like Tyrion Lannister and this person is like <laughs> I couldn't do it. It's such a lackluster cast. I didn't want to tarnish the Game of Thrones characters by giving them a, a an analogy. There are no nicknames. I know it's disappointing. I'm just telling you like it is. Maybe um, as we get I, further I, into I the season. Nicknames. I think so. You know, and you never know. I'm, 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 I know I'm being pretty critical of them now. There are people that I like on this show for sure. Maybe, you know, the podcast was a little bit premature in terms of me signing off nicknames for everybody. Okay. Um, let's go to another question. Uh, let's take one. This is from Josh Spaulding, and he wants to know, Coach, you've played with Exile Island, you've played with Redemption Island, and you've played with neither. What do you think works better for a Blood versus Water season, and what version do you prefer in general? So you played in three different uh, types of seasons, uh, Exile, Redemption, and neither. What do you prefer? Well, I think, you know, my favorite is just straight Survivor with an Exile, 18 people, Nine on nine. That's my favorite type of survivor. All new cast. It's great. You know, it, do, it doesn't get any better than that, I think. And I love the returning season, obviously, but that's my favorite. I think for Blood versus Water, what we saw, I don't like Redemption Island. Redemption Island in a normal season is horrible because, you know, you've got somebody that's like a Klingon coming out of the bunk hole. Like, like on Star Trek? Exactly, yeah, like on Star Trek, or like uh, the Dung of the Bung of the Dragon, the first uh, season with Sierra, you know, you couldn't get rid of her. But uh, you, you, it's something like, you throw somebody out, I'll get voted out, hold Charlie back in the game. Let's vote him out again. Hold the cow, he gets voted out of the game. The only guy to be voted out three times on Survivor. Yeah. Um, so I don't like it, but I love it with Blood versus Water, because then the people that you voted out can spew venom and hatred 
during Redemption Island. So I think that Redemption Island works best at Blood versus Water, and Exile Island, not so much. Yeah. Because you, you feel like uh, in Redemption Island, Ozzy coming back uh, really cost you, right? I mean, absolutely. I mean, his tribe hated him. His tribe said he's the most arrogant person that they'd ever played with. It was all about Ozzy, all about how Ozzy could try to challenge And so they hated him. Then he came back, and then it's like, we've got to play with them, so let's do this, okay? And then, you know, he gets voted out again. If he, if he got voted out when he did, he wouldn't have been there to, to spew hatred and venom towards me at the very end. But coach, where's the, where, where was the love, respect and appreciation for Ozzy? How come, how did, is Ozzy spewing venom at you? You, you let go of your, your number one rule. Well, the only way that I could have played to his ego is to have him sit at the final tribal with me. Yeah. So, you know, I, and so, I did make him feel well valued and, and appreciated, which is why he never considered writing my name down. Uh, and, and you know what? If I had to do it over again, I would have let Oz, what Ozzy proposed was something very good. I've got nothing against Ozzy. I know I slammed him on earlier. I got nothing against Ozzy. I, I texted him and said, I want to bury the hatchet. You know, I apologize about the things that I said. Um, and I did. And what um, did Ozzy say? I'll just search on that school. I'm off to Thailand to search, so I'll call you when I get back and you never call me. <laughs> so, anyway. It's um, all good, bro. That, that, that might or might not have been influenced by a future legend season that was swirling around time. But anyway, uh, I totally, uh, you know, I, I, I came up to me and had a great proposal. He said, dude, why don't you vote for Albert you and I will vote for Albert. Sophie and Albert will vote for me. And then we will light a fire to see who advances. And of course, Ozzy would have won. And I almost did that, but the reason why I didn't do that, it wasn't fear of going up against Ozzy. It was just that fear of saying, I'm not going to vote you out, Albert, and I'm not going to vote you out, Sophie. And if I wrecked their um, trust in me at that point, I might not have gotten to the final two, but it would have been interesting to take him up on that. Sometimes I think if I would have done it again, I would have done like that. Yeah, that's kind of crazy. I don't think you should be doing that. I mean, you can't, you can't, like, you know, in hindsight, it's like, oh, I should have done this, like, crazy, reckless thing, and it would have been, it would have been better because the safer thing I did didn't work. You know, you, I mean, you, you're, play, you're playing with, with hindsight, knowing that it ultimately didn't end up with you winning the game and you would have tried something crazy. I mean, that's, that's, that's kooky, coach. Rob, can I tell you something right now? What's that? I want you to take this to the bank. Yes. You will win Survivor if you go on again. <laughs> I will not, Coach. That's the problem. <laughs> no, you will. Trust me on this one. You will. Uh, You've studied the game long enough. You've interviewed enough. I'm probably ruining your case. Yeah, I know. that. Well, that's the reason why I'll get voted out, Coach. That's the problem. <laughs> Sorry, I just blew it. I blew it <laughs> to game in season 18. What I meant to say is you're going to go back and edit it. So let me say it again. So you're going to top that last part and I'm going to say, Rob, you know, if you go on again, you're very astute. You're too astute for the game. You're probably going to get voted out for it. Yes. <laughs> that's the more likely scenario. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, uh, let's take another uh, couple of quick questions uh, here. Uh, let's take one. Let's go to uh, Nathan Bayless wants to know, Coach, can you please confirm or deny the rumor that the dragons are reforming? Is that true? Dragons with a C. I still remember the first line of that rap that goes like this. My name is Coach Chisel. And it starts out like that. 
ladies all up in my thistle. I travel around the world and my chest gets chiseled. Anyway, we did a rap. I don't think it made it to the mainstream. Because the rap didn't make it mainstream, and we were just basically a throwback hair band from the 80s. Alas, my friend, they are not coming back. No. Has there been any talks of a reunion? The dragons have gone the way of all flesh. Or, as my dad used to say, the way of the dodo. They are extinct. Oh, my God. Uh, John Davis wants to know, uh, this is huge coach. You've been so good at adapting your strategy in different situations over different seasons. What would you have had to have done to be successful against an enigmatic player like Tony last season? Now, uh, we talked to you probably around like, uh, halfway through last season before Tony really, uh, showed all his cards last season. How, how would you have played with a guy like Tony compared to a guy like Russell that you did play against? Um, well, you know, Russell had to be eating out of the palm of, my hand, out of his hand, so I would have to say that Tony would have got the same thing. <laughs> when a player comes along like that, that's so aggressive and so outspoken, I, I probably would have just grabbed onto his coattails and tried to ride him a little bit. Um, if I were against him, though, going down the stretch, final five, all the way down, I, I would have flushed that idol and I would have tried hard to pull him out. Uh, but chances are, to be all honest with you, I probably would have just said, Tony, take me with you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's a tricky guy, uh, Tony. I think he did a really good job. Oh, man. I, I, uh, I'm excited to see him play again. I, um, I hope that the producers give him a couple of idols before the game starts so that he can last a long time. So I'm afraid that He'd be one of the first guys to go. Yeah. Like the Tyler Perry idol? Like, did you like that? I definitely did not like that. That's, that's one of the, that's one of the, it's one of the worst, um, I mean, come on, let's, let's be honest. It's one of the worst inventions ever for the game of Survivor because, okay, it's great in theory, and he thought he's never played the game, nor will he ever play the game. And so he does, he, from a purist point of view, great. And from a, and from a producer's point of view, hoping that somebody that's a big golden goose gets that idol, great. But if you're out there playing, then you're never sure of anything. And in a game that is based on uncertainty, to have one more aspect of the game like that, which makes it completely uncertain, it's like Redemption Island times 10. You vote somebody out, but they might still be there. So I'm not a fan of it at all. Okay, Coach, one last question for you. Tiara Combs says, who would you take under your wing from this cast and teach them Coach Chi? I believe last season, I feel like you said it was Wu. Yes. He could use it. Definitely. Definitely Wu. Who could use it? That's a no-brainer. Who? Uh, well, Drew could have used it before he got his butt voted out. Um, Alec could use it, for sure. Uh but you know who I'd like to take under my wing who's kind of flown under the, under the radar is, uh, is Wes. I like Wes. I thought he looked like um, the uh, guy from the uh, Bozzy Moto. Uh, <laughs> the Hunchback? Wes, yeah, Wes. Looked, <laughs> sorry, his facial features looked a little bit like Bozzy Moto. Oh, no. Back in day, but I like him. He's cool, man. He's dang good at challenging. It's like a young you JT. Know, Yeah, did you see him throw the bags on the thing? It was pretty cool. He could be a dark horse as well. I like him a lot, but I think he's somebody I'd like to take under my wing. You know what? Let me just say this really quick. I hope that the storyline develops. See, this is kind of like Thread that kind of ended this. John Rocker ended Thread. 
Um, that moment between Keith and Wes early on, second or third episode, um, when, when his dad was like shelling emotion and talking about how much he loved his son and then Wes choked up a little bit, man, that was, that was real stuff. I love that. That was probably one of the favorite moments of the, of the season with Wes saying, you know, my dad doesn't really talk like this. You can see, you know, hard ass country father, um, it's not, you know, good enough isn't. And then they're like really bonding out there. That was really cool. I love that. See, you do like this season. You know what? Actually, now that I'm talking about it, it's had some good moments. I just, the thing that's lacking that needs to happen, I need to find somebody that I hate and I need to find somebody that I really love. You don't have that yet. Okay. Well, you said you want 18 players. You want all new players. You want Exile Island. This season has it all for you, coach. <laughs> Touche, my friend. Okay. Well, Coach, thank you so much for coming on. It was it was worth the wait. I think the, the media frenzy was warranted. I think that you did a, a great job today. Uh, have fun in Reno uh, when you when you get there. And uh, make sure you're following this guy online because he has been uh, like a sniper on Twitter uh, talking about this season. He is on Twitter. He's uh, at the underscore real underscore coach, correct? That is correct. All right. So follow follow Coach on Twitter, and uh, he's he's throwing truth grenades left and right right now. <laughs> to my own detriment, most likely. <laughs> Probably. All right. Well, Coach, thanks again for coming on. I really appreciate it. If we see another one of these contestants on again, I'll keep mine. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I'm actually, I think I'm safe. With these, this cast, I think the other cast there was a good. I might have just plugged my own battleship. Anyway, Rob, always a pleasure. Let me know when it comes out so I can tweet it, retweet it like crazy and promote it. You're the man. All right. Thanks a lot, Coach. Take care. Okay, bye. All right, everybody, there you have it. That was Coach Wade back here on the podcast and en route to his destination in the car. There, there you go. All right, so let's go ahead and let's segue into a man who has been following all of Coach's seasons of Survivor and also all the seasons of Survivor and with an eye on the calendar. Here he is to talk about this week in Survivor history. Here he is, Mr. Jordan Kalish. Jordan, is it is it is it Kalish or is it Kalish? Um, at at this point, for the uh, the purposes of RHAP, I guess it is Kalish. Not, Kalish, not Jordan, Kalish. Jordan Kalish is here. Yes, uh, I, I can't I can't keep correcting you, Rob. It's it's just going to be Kalish for now on. No, I want to I want to get it right. Which is, is it is it <laughs> for going forward? Kalish is it, it Kalish or Kalish? It is Kalish. Kalish, Jordan Kalish is here. Okay, yes. Jordan, I know you've been looking at the history books of Survivor. Yeah. Um, last week we talked about uh, Survivor Vanuatu, and that was ten years ago. Um, I, I didn't think that was long ago enough, so we're we're going to be talking about Survivor Africa. Survivor this Africa. Is, yes, this is October twenty fifth, two thousand one. This episode aired the same week that the iPod came out. Oh my God! This week yes. in Apple history. Very, very long time ago, um, thirteen years ago. This is the episode where uh, Carl the dentist. Um, was voted out by trivia contest to Lindsay Richter. Yes. Um, these were the old rules of Survivor where if uh, after the tie and after the revote, instead of going to rocks, they would go to a, a trivia contest about the uh, the continent of Africa. And uh, Carl 
lost. He didn't know his um, his nature trivia, and um, and Lindsay was able to uh, to move on in the game. Yes, as I remember, uh, the question that that Lindsay actually wins on is about removing a tick and putting a like you have to put like water on a tick and that will remove it, and then she actually gets a tick. Yes, that, that that did happen. So uh, I guess Carl maybe was was a little bit happy about that. Probably yes. when he was watching the uh, the season back. Um, I liked but, uh, Carl the dentist. Oh yeah, he was he was an interesting character. He was like a, a New York guy, uh, even I, though he wore a Yankee hat. Yes, he was a big Yankee fan. I think I was actually rooting for him because he was wearing the Yankee hat. Um, but the, the way that this uh, that this vote went down, uh, this was the Samburu tribe, and uh, they were split up. Uh, there, there were four people who were older, and Carl was one of the older people. And it was him, T-Bird, Frank Garrison, and Linda, who most people remember as Mother Africa. Yes. And then you had the Young Alliance. You had uh, Brandon Quinton. You had Kim Powers, who is uh, married to your friend Alex Bell. Yes. Um, Lindsay, obviously, who was one of the people who uh, was involved in this trivia contest. And then Silas, who actually was was talking to the older group originally. That would have been a 5-3 advantage, uh, but he decided to side to uh, vote with the younger group and vote out Carl. And maybe it had to do it with, uh, with him being an anti-dentite. <laughs> he could have been an anti-dentite. Yeah, I, I've been listening to your uh, your Seinfeld podcast with Akiva, so um, it, it's. Uh, I thought there, there was some uh, some anti dentism going on yes. in this episode. Carl could be the Tim Watley of Survivor. Yeah, and uh, you know who who knows what what he's doing now? He might be making math. Yes, he's the one that knocks. All right, uh, <laughs> Jordan, did anything else of note happen on this week in Survivor history? You know, this this was a big week, but as you as you said uh, last week, we're gonna save some stuff. We're not gonna use every everything in the same week. Uh, just a really funny scene um, from Survivor Pearl Islands. Uh, this is October twenty third, two thousand three, so eleven years ago. Uh, this was the episode where uh, Austin Taylor got really really freaked out by a very scary pelican that was on Pelican on the Pete. Beach. Yes. Yeah, Pelican Pete. Um, so Austin, Austin wasn't having a good time out there. He wasn't really meant for for this game. He, I guess, he didn't realize that there was going to be any sort of uh, sur- survival component in a show called Survivor, and he couldn't. He he did not like the fact that the pelican was trying to disturb his nap and to go into the shelter. Um, so this is really one of the the funnier scenes and a lot of like the pre-merge stuff that I've been looking at. I mean, I think once once we get post-merge, we'll start start talking more about uh, about more of these strategic moves and some of the things that you think about uh, when you're talking about Survivor. But these these scenes, these character scenes are just really, really funny uh, in the pre-merge. And Austin, um, I think we're going to get to him more next week because uh, th- this is um, this this is the second of two things that people remember Austin for. Um, so he but he he did not like the pelican on his beach he was such a douche about the penguin poor ryan and that was rhino's only friend yeah rhino's best friend was the penguin was the pelican (laughs) yeah all right well jordan thank you very much for uh this look into survivor history yes thanks thanks for having me uh i'll talk to you next week uh and we'll uh we'll get more into austin taylor sounds great talk to you then yep talk to you soon bye there you go. There you have it. That was the great Jordan Kalish here back uh, talking about this week in Survivor history. All right, let's 
uh, segue naturally to a man who knows a thing or two about survivor history. He is one of these survivor historians as well as one of the contributors here on Rob has a website and on post show recaps. You can currently hear him podcasting about once upon a time every week on post show recaps. Here he is. Give it up for Mr. Mike Bloom. Like music to my ears, Rob. I love it. Yes. Welcome back, Mike, to the podcast. I'm thrilled to be back, Rob. I feel like we haven't we haven't recorded in quite some time, a couple months at least, I would say. Yes. What was the last thing we did? Can you even remember? Uh, I think you brought me on for the the rewind button, the redo week on Big Brother 16. Oh my God, it's been it's been too long. It's been and too before long. that we we were just we were we were spouting knowledge about Rodman. <laughs> yes, yeah, we talked about last comic standing over the summer, and so uh, lots lots of fun stuff. First off, uh, Mike, how you doing? I am fantastic. Uh, I'm I'm on cloud nine right now, coming back to talk to you about this season. Yeah, well, I do. I feel like I I saw you when we were in New York too That's for true. the yeah. Survivor. So it doesn't feel like that long. That's true. We 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 got to uh, have an in person exchange, which felt a little different. Yeah, uh, but a good but a good type of different. Yeah, it's very good. So, Mike, very excited to uh, have you back on. First off, uh, how is everything going on the Survivor historians? Uh, things are great on the Survivor Historians. We are about to record part two of our Palau coverage uh, this weekend. We're going to cover about episodes five to ten or so, the real meat of the Oolong failure sure. arc. Uh, and, uh, getting to Palau is a lot of fun. I won't divulge too much information into it, but uh, going into it, it was a kind of a mediocre season for me. I don't, I don't remember being that enthused about it, but I've had a lot of fun with it so far, especially with the pre-merge. Oolong is full of a lot of interesting characters, and uh, a lot of people, uh, some people on Karor, one in particular, has really drawn my ire. Oh, all right. I'll have to uh, check into the Survivor Historians to hear more about that. Uh, that's, of course, uh, funny115.com slash podcast uh, for that for that show. Everybody uh, loves the Survivor Historians. Okay, but speak, let's talk about the Survivor uh, present uh, in just a moment. But first, I want to take a moment and thank our sponsor for this episode of Rob's Podcast, our friends over at swagbox.com. That's swag. As in, boy, that Rob Sesternino has a lot of swag and bucks as in the money that you get cash back for uh, when you use swagbucks.com because it's like a points program, Mike, and you get points back when you shop at a number of different online retailers, uh, including stores like Amazon, Walmart, Target, Groupon, and Costume Supercenter. Of course, Halloween is right around the corner, Mike. Do you have Halloween plans? Uh, I, there's a couple of parties, but I think uh, my fiance was a costume designer in college, so she's she's sort of the the wardrobe coordinator. So I think she's trying to figure out an outfit for the two of us to do. Oh, so so okay, so you guys are going to be having a, a two person costume. Uh, that's 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 tricky. It is. It's very tricky. I mean, last last year we were like newsies, so it was like a very very standard type of costume, but I think she wants to do something a little more character based this year. I don't know, Rob, did you and Nicole ever do any couples costumes throughout your, your dating or your marriage? (laughs) You know, one time we were, uh, we were, uh, super Mario and like princess peach. I think that was the one time that we ever like collaborated on that. 
That's cute. I like that. Yeah, it was it was fun. Of course, uh, next week on Rob has a podcast, Kurt Clark returns with the Rob has a podcast Halloween Survivor costume guessing game. We needs a better name. We got to streamline the name. Uh, that's going to be next week on Rob has a podcast. But swagbox.com is going to save you on buying Halloween costumes because you can go ahead and buy your costume online and get up to 14% cash back when you shop at select uh, retailers like Costume Supercenter and leading department stores like Target.com. So uh, beat that, Mike. Get 14% cash back and $5 when you spend over $75 or more. Or if you don't have any party plans, you can buy Blu-rays of Ghostbusters and get cash back for that as well. Yes, yes, of course you could do that. Anyway, so you can go ahead on swagbox.com slash R-H-A-P to get started. You can go ahead and see all the money that you could save uh, when you are shopping with their program and it doesn't cost you any more money. It just saves you more money. And of course, uh, that's the name of the game, Mike. Absolutely. Now tell me, is there a, is it a cashback system or is it a rice back system? Do I get a, I get <laughs> no. a scoop of rice for every no, you, five well, you could, spend? You could buy rice with the cashback, 14%. You could buy a whole, you could buy a whole like missy portion of rice. Oh man, that's, that's, that's quite a portion. That's a heaping portion, that's, I would say. That's a lot of rice. Go to swagbucks.com slash RHAP to find out how to start getting 14% cashback. Swagbucks.com slash R-H-A-P. Okay. So, um, Mike, one other thing before we jump into everybody's voicemails about this episode. You know, this, I believe, is episode of Rob Has a Podcast number 990. The exit interview was number 989, and this is uh, 990. So we are 10 episodes away from R-H-A-P 1K. Wow, no, knowing the rate of your coverage, that's like two days. <laughs> no, you know, I was thinking about this recently. So we did our 500, 500th show, the friggin' 500. I believe we recorded that in February of 2013. So the podcast started in February of 2010. So it took three years to get to 500 and then took like 20 months to get to 1,000 from 500. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a very that's like a steep that's like an asymptote like a very steep curve right at the end yeah it really started to become uh expert and that doesn't include any like post-show recaps like i've probably done like at least 100 post-show recaps podcasts uh mm-hmm. this year this is just rob as a podcast not reality tv wrap ups just rob as a podcast so number 1000 is on the way probably like november 1st or 2nd is going to be uh when it's going to be and so we've tried to figure out what we're going to do and and some people have you know, so they want like, you know, some sort of a, you know, uh, a, you know, function or something like that. But, you know, there's just there's too much going on right now, maybe for the five year anniversary of the show in February of this upcoming year. Uh, we'll we'll do something like that. But for right now, um, I'm just trying to figure out like I want to, you know, commemorate it. But I, you know, I, I can't really uh, with everything going on, like stop and, you know, do a function. So, uh, we've been kicking around some ideas. I asked people on Facebook. I asked the patrons. Uh, Mike, what should I do? What do you think? Mm, well, I think, I mean, it's got to be some sort of like best of compilation. Yeah, right? yeah. That's pretty much what, what I'm thinking. So what I want to do is, you know, rather than people like, oh, you should have this guest, you should have this guest. You know, the guests, I feel like, are not really, like the guests don't really, uh, with a few exceptions, don't know, like, you know there's not many guests that listen to the other episodes that they're not on there's a few exactly there's a few 
It's not like you're going to say like, hey, Steven, remember when I talked to Jonathan Penner on his exit interview and you didn't <laughs> like my impression of him? Right, right. So what I want to do is I want to talk to the community and talk to you guys who have been listening and, you know, and following us, uh, you know, wherever you came in. I want to know from you guys, what are your favorite moments? So what I'm going to st- open up uh, starting, I guess, now after you listen to this podcast, what I want people to do is to call into the voicemail. Of course, uh, we're about to listen to the voicemail. Rob is a website.com slash voicemail. And I guess what I'd like to get from people is, you know, call in, say, you know, who you are and what your favorite moment was from the history of Rob has a podcast. And then Nicole and I will go through, you know, 15 or 20 of them and then we'll play the moment and then we'll talk about it. So we'll do sort of a retrospective of just the favorite moments uh, from you guys. Like be specific. Don't, don't say like a favorite show. Like I want to like hear a moment that you really, really liked. And then I want to play that moment and then talk about it. Oh, maybe maybe if you if you want to splurge, you could uh, hire the RHAP players to reenact all the moments from all the episodes. <laughs> we could certainly do that. We could certainly yeah. <laughs> reenactment of the moment. Sure. We could, I, yeah, I, I know a few people that could be a good leaf. Yes, perfect, perfect. There's no shortage of those. So, well, I think that's what we're going to get ready to start doing. And I think uh, what I should also do is set up a uh, a way for you guys to be able to uh, email also. So, I'll set up a form and put a link in the show notes uh, for this episode too. If you want to send one in versus text, but I feel like it would be much more fun to hear people uh, talk about what are the what are the, the moments that they really liked and why did they like them. Bonus points for song parodies, Rob? <laughs> uh, not necessarily. Uh, if that's what people's favorite things were. Um, oh, no, I'm talking about if they sing if they sing oh, a song Oh, sure, parody. sure, sure, sure. Everybody everybody loves a song parody. Any, Absolutely. Anytime you can get them. Uh, song parodies are uh, very fun. Okay, so that's what I'm thinking for the RHAP 1K coming uh, about in a week and a half. Nice. That's, 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 pretty, that's pretty good timing. Enough, uh, just enough time for people to go through the archives and get their uh their moments down yeah yeah and just tell us the episode and if, if you know at what point in the episode it is um that would be fantastic we're gonna have some of the uh the interns and patrons you know help us find the exact moment so i could pull the clips for the show but um you know if you can't think of the exact time in the episode that's just tell us the episode that you're talking about and we'll uh we'll t- we'll take care of it from there Awesome. All right. That being said, Mike, let's go ahead and let's get into some of these voicemails from people. You ready? I am. I'm ready to go. All right. Let's get things started today and let's talk with the great Dan Heaton, one of the bloggers on RobHasWebsite.com. I've done a disservice this season to the bloggers uh, and I have not been mentioning them nearly enough, but we've got about five or six blogs going up every single week about Survivor from all the different bloggers that we have. So you can always check that out on RobHasWebsite.com. Let's check in with Dan Heaton and hear what he has to say because he's got a couple of different questions for us. Hi, Rob. This is Dan Heaton in St. Louis. I have three rapid fire questions. One, has Dale ever seen Survivor before? Two, is Keith in the best position of anyone in the game? And three, is Reed the worst salesperson in the history of the world? (laughs) Thank you. <laughs> okay. Uh three things. Let's see if we can remember with it. Has Dale ever seen the show before? I believe yes, I believe so. I, I would say so. Wait, was that was that astronaut Dan? 
It wasn't. No, was not, no, it was no. not astronaut Dan from uh, from the original Exile he, Island. He's still he's MIA. I think he's <laughs> one of the only Survivor alum that nobody knows what he's doing, unless he's back up in space again. He did. He went back to space. Uh, <laughs> okay, so then number two was what? Number two was is Keith in the best position to win the game at the moment? Hmm. Um, I think he's in a good position. I, I'd say he's in a good position. I would not say he's in a great position though. Yeah. Well, why do you feel like he's in a precarious position? Well, I think, I mean, I think he has solid, sem, I would say semi-solid ties with the other members of Koyopa. Granted, we didn't, obviously did not see everything that happened last night, as your exit interview with Kelly pointed out. But I feel like there was not, little to no scenes of anyone actually talking to Keith, especially those in the majority. Uh, granted, he, he, might, he probably has strong ties with someone like John or Missy Muffin, but I don't know about everybody else. And even over on Hunapu, Jeremy is gunning for him. I, I feel like if Hunapu stayed together, Keith would have been a big target, specifically coming from Jeremy. So I, I think his... I think he's fine on Koyopa, but if he goes into a merge and Jeremy still kind of carries that resentment, I don't know how it's going to look for him. What about if Wes ends up making the merge? Is that a good thing or is that sort of a, is it a bad thing? Is it like Wes would be the one that probably gets voted out and then people would forget about Keith? Yeah, I I guess so. Uh, And it also depends on what sort of information is leaked as well. You know, Keith does have an idol on him. But as we know, uh, loose slips sink ships and Keith is known to kind of flap his gums a bit as shown in last episode. So knowing Keith, he might end up telling Wes who ends up telling Alec and Josh and then the whole word gets spread. And then before they know it, Keith and Wes are public enemies number one and two. And let's take the final part of Dan's question. Is Reed the worst salesperson ever? Uh, I don't know if Dan has ever seen Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Uh, so I don't, I would say no. <laughs> what did you think about Reed's pitch to Jeff Probst? Who is a better, who is a better salesperson, Reed or Drew? I mean, it's, it's gotta be Reed because I think, well, actually, because Reed was the one to make the first pitch, right? In episode two. And that did not go well for them at all either. I feel like Reed has just been thrust into the spotlight and this time it wasn't even read as much as it was read and josh josh was the more vocal one i thought yeah you know it's sort of like two different approaches uh neither one was really good you know the one the one that drew did was sort of like hey man you want like we want to trade you this thing whatever you know i'm just having i'm having the balls to do this you know hey it's sort of like he's like going up to the woman in the bar and being like, I know this is crazy, but do you want to go home with me right now? Yeah, it's like my, my friends, my friends bet on that I couldn't get your numbers. If you just want to humor me and give me your give me your number, that'd be yeah. great. You just want to go do it. Basically, I'm a badass. And so if you want to go home with me, then let's go. And the girl's like, uh, yeah, thank you. Uh, uh, <laughs> I heard you guys talking right there. You were right there when you were talking. <laughs> oh, my God. They said it right in front of her. <laughs> he has, he has, he's a very close talker whereas the read thing was like uh jeff i know you totally wouldn't want to do this uh but you know i'm just gonna put this out there i know you don't want to but could we maybe trade for some rice because we don't really have any if you could give it to us that would be great but you don't have to yeah, but then Josh comes out and is like, oh, this camp sucks. <laughs> well, Josh really got the worst end of the deal from, <laughs> yeah. on both ends because he was on the tribe that, you know, were conservative, 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 and then he ends up on the tribe that it's like, oh, we're broke. 
you know? Yeah, this, it's like uh, trading spaces. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So I, it's very, very tough for uh, the people that switched over that ration to go to the tribe that then has nothing. Yeah. And, uh, I can't imagine the situation they must be in, especially considering it's like three men that are like, I think that they probably consume a fair amount of calories, not like a John Rocker or Cliff Robinson amount, but like they still like to go from like granted next to nothing to nothing was not that much of a skip on paper, but it probably is eating away at their bodies. Yes. Yes. So do you, who do you think was better drew or Reed, as the spokesperson for Hunapu? I mean, I, I gotta say Reed because I, I know I personally would take that, that passive aggressive type of thing. I'm like, okay, feel free to say no. Uh, I just I, like, maybe if you want to do this, that'd be great. Thanks. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I think that the way that you want to do it is like, I, I just go back to, you know, what's, let me pick up the BR rules. And, you know, Boston Rob is sort of like, you know, he'd be, he'd be in there like, hey, Jeff, you know, here's what we want to do. We want to trade you the rice and uh, we want to, we want to get some, we want to get more rice for the tribe. And it's like, okay, well, at least, you know, you're sort of like, it's like dog whisperer stuff. It's like, you're not approaching Jeff from like, you're not groveling. You're not just like being like uh, an ass about it. It's just like upfront. Okay. Here's what we want to do. Here's what I'm putting on the table. Well, the thing is, I think in this case, Jeff functions as more of a mouthpiece for the producers. So it's not even going to Jeff as much as it's going to production and saying like, hey, can we get this? And I know it's like a different thing than in Big Brother when people go to the diet room and are like, can I get this, this and this? But it's still like probably a weird concept to them, especially as completely new players, about 75% of whom probably have only seen a few episodes of Survivor to be like, OK, now we get now we have to actually break the fourth wall and try to talk to production to get what we want. Yeah. Also, I felt like Jeff did like such a punt on this uh, as far as like, okay, all right, look, I got a tribal council to go to. You guys have some rice tonight. Go home. Enjoy it. I'll be back tomorrow. Like he had no idea what he's doing. Like, uh, like well, let me think about this. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, he didn't want to call any sort of audible and, and get Burnett in his ear. <laughs> yeah. So I think that was funny that Jeff was like, all right, I'm going to sleep on this. Yeah, exactly. AK, I'm going to go back to this camp and like put my head together with the other producers and figure out what I'm going to do with this. Yeah, to make the best TV. So uh, but you'll find out in the next episode. Enjoy that the rest of the rice. I don't know. I don't know. Those previews are misleading. Jeff might come to the camp and be like, uh, here's the deal I'm going to make. No deal. And then walk <laughs> away. Yeah. See this rice? I'm eating it all tonight. <laughs> just, it's just about 15 minutes of them watching Jeff eat a bag of rice. Yeah, the previews really are misleading because I thought that coming into this episode, it was like, and John snaps at Hunapu. And he really did not. Yeah, it reminds me of, this is going to be a stretch, but in like the first episode of Arrested Development, um, they they lose George Sr. for a bit and Job is like, he's being interviewed by the news team and he's like, yeah, oh, oh, I know. I know what you're going to try to do. You're going to try to get me to say I made my father disappear. And of course, the news takes like the last three seconds and puts it on film. <laughs> like, I feel like like because he was doing an impression, like it was completely blown out of proportion. Mm-hmm. So uh, we'll we'll see what exactly what happens next week. All right. Here, let's go to more talk about the rice. And here's a, a very good question from uh, one of our other longtime listeners, Morgan Stradling. Morgan has a question. Here's Morgan. Hey, Robin, Mike, it's Morgan Stradling. So the pre-merge rice situation reminds me a lot of the prisoner's dilemma. You don't ever know what the other tribe Mm. is going to do. Are they going to ration it? Are they going to eat more than you per day? In that situation, I think you personally, your tribe should eat more in the pre-merge. 
If assumption is true that eating more rice makes you more likely to win challenges, then you should always do it. That way you are always on par or above the other tribe, which means that you're more likely to have more numbers at the merge. Then at the merge, everyone will be starving and on an equal playing field, but at least you have the numbers. What do you guys think? Thanks. Okay, so let's talk about the rice situation. I think that Morgan really summed that up very well from what Stephen and I were talking about last night on the Mm know-it-alls. To put it in the context of the prisoner's dilemma, and just uh, for people who don't know that, that's a common thing that's sort of talked about in game theory, and it sort of goes like this. And and Mike, correct me if I'm wrong. Let's say Mike and I are, you know, we are accomplices on a heist. What what did we do? Um, Oh, God, what did we do? Uh, We... Uh, we are going to try to take over a magazine at gunpoint to change the headline to I'm basically a badass for <laughs> Drew, Drew, Drew Christie Monthly. Okay, Drew Christie Monthly. Now, is this in a, a magazine that already exists? Uh, maybe in one <laughs> diluted individual's mind. Uh, on, on paper, I have not seen any in circulation, though. Okay, so let's say, hypothetically, uh, we tried to make that happen. We broke into the headquarters of Drew Christie Monthly. Uh, we tried at, uh, <laughs> uh, but maybe we pretended we had guns. Let's not say we had re- really had guns. No, we had, uh, we had water guns. We had water guns, but we said they were real. And we said, like, uh, all right, we want the headline to be basically, basically, I'm a badass. Security was called. Mike and I get taken away to separate cells. And they, and they say, all right, uh, Mike, if you, if you uh, rat out Rob, you know, you'll go to jail for, uh, for, for one year. If the if if uh, if you rat out Rob and then Rob will go to jail for for five years and then that'll be what will happen and you'll get you'll get off easy and then they they go in and they say the same thing to me and they say Rob if you go to j- if you rat out Mike you'll go to jail for one year and he'll go to jail for five years and if you both don't say anything if you both don't confess you'll go to jail for three years you'll both go to jail for three years yes that's correct okay so uh, and and it's a question of what's better for me. And, you know, strategically, it's always going to be better for me to... Oh, oh, actually, what happens if we both rat each other out? Uh, I think if we both... Well, if we both rat each other out, then we both go to jail. So that's five years each. We, we both get five years. I think so. The better thing to do is always to rat the other person out. Assuming that Mike's not going to have any of his associates shiv me in the jail. Well, I think the thing with the prisoner's dilemma is that uh, it's also about like what's called the Nash equilibrium, which is essentially the the best strategy to do given what the other person does. Uh, so, from what I remember, actually, I have to look up the prisoner's dilemma, but I'm pretty. I actually thought that the best thing to do was to confess from both ends. Hmm. Interesting. I, you know, we'll we'll look we'll look that. Up. I'm sure somebody will tell us in the comments on this. But in the Paging case, Spencer Bledsoe. Yeah. In the case of eating the rice, you know, it's always better to eat your rice again don't be like a, a total like a uh, gavon and eat just uh, mm, rice you know you don't go ahead and you know devour it but you know don't don't try, try to be like super conservative with it either because again you can't take it with you you swap you get voted out whatever and so if you just stay strong win challenges maybe you'll win some rewards along the way and maybe you win fishing gear and stuff like that you know uh use that rice to get wins for your tribe and go into the merge stronger yeah i i would definitely agree with that i think you know there's there's a balance between the short term and the long term game and like you said i don't think utter gluttony is 
uh, is the suggested thing to do. But I think it's sort of a thing of advanced moderation. I think the problem that Hunapu faced was that I think there were just too many of them to, impl- to implement that strategy. I think Koyopa, if anything, should have been using that strategy more as they were losing more people since there was more rice to eat. Yeah, I think so. So that, I think we've sort of cracked something for future Survivor players who listen to this podcast. Uh, when you have rice, eat it. Don't Enjoy. dump it in the fire. Don't dump it in the fire. Yeah, because somebody could dump it in the fire. Somebody could pee in it. If you have it, eat it. And uh, that's that. Who knew that like, even back, I don't know, even like five years ago, would we be saying like, make sure you eat the rice so someone doesn't either dump it into the fire or pee on it. <laughs> dump it into the fire or take a dump in it. Yeah, exactly. Like uh, so somewhere, some s- somewhere, you know, someone's just Richard Hatch is just shaking his head, saying like, "What? <laughs> what did I do?" <laughs> That's right. That's right. Um, okay, so let's take a question here from Paul. Hey, Rob. This is Paul. I have two questions for you. One: What in the world is up with Dale's irrational hatred of Baylor? Yeah, she might not be the best around camp, but he keeps referencing this first vote when she flipped to the guys' alliance, and that's why she can't be trusted. Newsflash, Dale. When she flipped to the guy's alliance, she saved your ass. Meanwhile, Jacqueline, who actually voted against you, is getting a free pass. Production needs to get this guy a new pair of glasses because he is truly blind and might not even know who he's talking to. Love to know what you think. Thanks. So, Mike, uh, that was a good question by Paul. Why is Dale so mad? Because uh, Baylor switching her vote. She, I mean, she voted with the guys. She voted against Nadia. Mm-hmm. I think... I think it's it's more of an attitude thing than it is a strategy thing. I'm I'm trying to like grab glimpses of what exit interviews are kind of giving away to us from behind the scenes. It actually seems like Baylor was getting on of a lot of people's nerves at Coyopa. Um, I, I think there's sort of an attitude problem there. I mean, I don't want to extrapolate too much from the way she's been she's being raised, but the fact that she you know she's she's kind she her mother is a competitive cheerleading coach who probably made a good makes a good amount of money she was probably a little spoiled growing up she has enough money to make her own country music video uh i don't know where she got the funds for that but and she's only 20 so i think she might have that condition where like going into survivor she kind of has a little bit of a spoiled brat demeanor i don't i don't again i don't want to blow it out too out of proportion but if that's the case i could see why dale would just be angry with her considering how he was just angry with the fact that someone was not uh not divvying up the rice correctly I, I think i think dale kind of has a short temper as well for someone who runs his own farm yeah a couple things on that you know the i'm surprised that dale wasn't able to get along with baylor considering that he has his own daughter who is of a similar age so you would think that he would have had more of like a fatherly role with baylor and not such an adversarial thing uh as for the is Baylor spoiled subplot? Just to going back to the little bit that we know about uh, Muffin or Missy, um, it's funny that, you know, just in terms of doling out the portions to these people, she's like, oh, everybody, eat more, eat more, eat more. She's really is almost seems like she is trying to spoil the tribe. Yeah, exactly. Should we should we start calling Baylor Bagel? Bagel? So you she's be Muffin's like, daughter? Muffin and Bagel? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Uh, that uh, let's <laughs> we'll we'll stay away from calling uh, anybody bagel. I think that uh, maybe uh, there might there might be connotations that come along with that that we do not intend. <laughs> Drawing the line at bagel, I see. <laughs> yeah. 
So uh, let's 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 stick on uh, Bagel. I mean Baylor, and uh, let's go with a, a question about her. And that comes to us from our good friend Ron in Toronto. He has oh a question. He has a question. Hi, Robin, Mike. It's Ron from Toronto. What do you think has a better chance of happening? Dale winning Survivor this season. Kelly winning Miss Survivor 2015 or Baylor performing sticky situation at the live reunion show. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. First, let's, <laughs> all right, let's touch on you. You brought this up a second ago. Uh, Ron from Toronto is talking about this. I feel like I've been uh, remiss that I have not talked about this yet on the podcast. Yeah, uh, it's, the, it's been the elephant in the room. It's the elephant in the room uh, that Baylor is a aspiring uh, country music singer. Oh, la- she's 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 made it. She's not even aspiring at this point. Yes. Okay. Well, uh, you know, we always like to check in with our musically inclined survivors. Of course, last week we had Bryce Isaiah on, uh, the the creator of uh, Freak. Uh, of course, which we love. And then, of course, uh, Lisi Linares. Uh, we like to get weird with Chase Rice. And uh, so Baylor has her own music video that's on YouTube. And her song is called Sticky Situation. Yep. It's, it's basically like another version of uh, Taylor Swift's song, You Belong With Me. But this one is, uh, involves a lot of food products. Yeah, it's a lot of food products. All right, you want to take a listen of Sticky Situation? Please, I'd love to sample it. Okay, here we go. Now, it sort of takes place at, like, like a picnic. Yeah, some sort of, like, country jamboree. Yeah. A lot of people there, they're putting, like, a tablecloth on the table. I want to be that girl in your passenger seat, but she's already buckled in. Holding your hand, she's looking at me, says, who's your new friend? Does she know that you've been calling me, wanting to dig me? Looks like there's some uh, adultery happening. Yeah, it's it's uh the weird thing is that like the lyrics of this song have absolutely nothing to do with what's going on. Yeah. I mean that uh it's in fairness in fairly fairness to the Baylor. I mean this seems like a uh, a very a capable song. The video is is uh kind of ridiculous that it sort of like devolves into like an animal house esque uh food fight, but like some people yeah. have like shaving cream and powder and uh really it seems like uh becomes just an exercise in vandalism at a point. Yeah, it's, it's like it's like a bacchanalian <laughs> uh revelry. There's a shot of like a guy in a neon tank top just like with half a chicken in his mouth, just like shaking his head around. It's yeah it's weird. Yeah, the song isn't that funny to play, unfortunately. I wish it was I I wish it was funnier uh that we could that we could play it more uh but um yeah sticky situation I, I like that they were really were on the nose though in the direction of the video that they uh she was in a proverbial sticky situation but they've really turned it into like a double dare exercise yeah. where yeah, who, who directed that fincher did david fincher direct that no one? john fincher oh of course <laughs> uh, that's why they all look like posers <laughs> Look, okay, Baylor, here's what we're going to do on the video. First, we're going to get everybody dirty, have a little fun. John, can you just take off your hat? It's like 70 degrees out. <laughs> okay, so uh, so what's going to happen first? Uh, Ron from Toronto wants to know, is Dale, what's more likely to happen? Dale is going to win Survivor, Kelly is going to win Miss Survivor, or Baylor is going to uh, give us a little sticky situation at the reunion. Step. 
Oh, sweet temptation is like. I'm watching. There's like a guy with like a rotisserie chicken like yeah, dangling from his mouth. <laughs> I think that's the guy also from the Boston Rob uh, drop top soda pop commercial. Also, I think it's this the guy's wearing the same the same outfit. Uh, boy, what a what a sticky situation uh, for this guy. Okay, so what is the <laughs> what's more likely to happen? See, I, I want to remain optimistic about Kelly's chances for Miss Survivor because I actually really do enjoy her opinions both in and out of the show. I thought her exit interview with you is fantastic. She was very good. However, I think the only, like, the outside chance of someone getting to the end of Miss Survivor a la Candace last year was, like, if it's a returning player that we already know. Um, and I think the the female cast, of, in this female cast in particular, has a lot of ground that it can cover. And I can think of at least three that would be able to make their way to the end and get votes above Kelly. So I am going, oh man, I guess I have to, I'm, this is a Rafe's choice, but I think I'm left with Dale winning Survivor. Dale wins Survivor. The winner of Survivor San Juan del Sur, Blood versus Water 2 is Dale. <laughs> In your face, Missy. It. In your face, Baylor. <laughs> you said I would never win and I did. Screw you guys. He breaks his glasses again. Yeah, I broke my glasses for these people. Screw you. Screw you. You're a missy. You're a, you're a mean, conceited bitch. <laughs> what do you um, think of that? That was a bit much, I, right? Yeah, that was like un, very uncalled for, Dale. Again, I don't know what his life like is on the farm <laughs> when he's just like off by himself muttering things to the pigs. But like this... I don't know if this is sort of the sort of online conversation that Farm Guy sixty nine typically engages in. <laughs> I hope not. I hope not. Yeah. What, what was it? I want to get this exactly right. That he called her. Uh, she's a self centered bossy bitch. That was the uh, the name of Tina Pay, Tina Fey's book, right? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> I think it was similar. I think it was similar. similar. Very similar. Okay, so we'll we'll see if uh, Farm Guy sixty nine will not be invited to the uh, sticky situation uh, music video release party. No, that's has probably it's probably already happened. Yeah, I think that the path to uh, a Miss Survivor for somebody like a Kelly um, one, I think um, I think that campaign starts now. You know, Mm -hmm. I think you want to engage because I think that the if you want to look at the blueprint for your if you're Kelly, I think it's the RC. I, I, you know, I think that RC came in um, in a year where, you know, it was sort of assumed Kim was going to win. But, you know, Kim did not really uh, she she did not really uh, campaign very hard. I think if if Kim really like uh, went for it, I think she would have she would have taken it. But RC uh, really had a better ground force. So she had people uh, that she was really like, you know, like, hey, get out there. You better you better vote for me or I'll be mad at you. And so she had like a lot of people that she was just like cracking the whip of vote, vote, vote. And so if somebody like a Kelly wants it bad enough, I think that they can get it. Yeah, I think I think Kelly should almost go on like an apology tour among like all the survivor communities. Like she should go to like Survivor Sucks and to like previously on Survivor and like addicted to Survivor and just like start making posts in there so that she builds some more online popularity. Yeah, and I think that her what she should come out and say is like, hey, I'm a real Survivor fan. As Miss Survivor, I would do this and I know and I know this and and sort sort of like I am a, you know, a person who is a fan, like forget about these other people that they're just, you know, that they don't know anything about Survivor. They just want this for the attention 
and all the accolades that come along with being Miss Survivor. And of course, then uh, the Miss Survivor always uh, is in the conversation to get recast on the show and then uh, gets all sorts of different opportunities in Hollywood for being Miss Survivor. And and that's not why I want it. Exactly. And I think she could, she could probably get the support of a lot of other pre-merge boosts. Like, I feel like someone like Laura Alexander, Ali Povitz, Hope Driscoll could like all push behind Kelly to be like, pre-merge people need representation too. Yeah, we're not undateable. Exactly. We're, that's, their, that's their slogan. Yes, we're dateable. <laughs> we're, we're mateable. We're Get made- used to it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we want your vote. Sticky situation. Yes, oh, it it's not it a is. sticky situation. <laughs> I finally gave in. We're just gonna be friends. That's what I told myself. It's not a real okay. <laughs> I've been like, mesmerized by Baylor just uh, throwing Cheetos at a guy. I was going to say, I think she needs an inhaler. She's really breathy. <laughs> she's very, she's very breathy. She's very breathy. I don't know what that recording studio was like. Let me see. Could I, let me see. Steamy situation. <laughs> steamy situation. Uh, let me see. Could I do the podcast like uh, in, in Baylor? <laughs> do I have a Baylor filter on this thing? Like, uh, hey, my, <laughs> I, can't even, I can't even do it. I got to like turn the compression like all the way, all the way up. Yeah. It's going to sound like my Penner impression. Exactly. <laughs> it's a, a penner situation. Okay. The penner situation. Really, I mean, there's a guy there, and there is like, like they, they really are trying to drive home this stick situation. There is a guy that's like in a uh, a very nice plaid shirt that's being ruined. Uh, he's covered in shaving cream, and there is a girl pouring like one girl's pouring syrup on him, and the other girl is pouring two things of honey on this one guy. Well, like they say, it's like honey in your hair. It's like an, it's, the course is like a brilliant version of uh, ironic. <laughs> yeah. And Baylor is just like having a conversation with somebody in the background. Like, <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know if you noticed, but like Baylor doesn't get covered in like anything. Everyone else is like drenched in eggs and shaving cream. And Baylor's just like dawdling around in her all white outfit being like, oh, this is fun, y'all. Well, Missy was probably like, listen, honey, you're not getting dirty. They're not getting anything on you. If anybody, if anybody gets anything on my daughter, they're fired from this video. <laughs> they're gonna, if, anyone gets, if anyone spills anything on you, they're going to marry me and I'm going to divorce them. Oh, <laughs> maybe, maybe. Maybe the director was, uh, was one of the exes. Oh, it's like a Guy Ritchie situation. <laughs> a Guy Ritchie situation. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. Oh my god. Uh, this is the song here come the song parodies. Yeah. <laughs> uh what about uh will, will Weird Al do a itchy situation? Um or pitchy situation. Yeah. That's uh <laughs> like uh if your voice is pitchy. It could be about like or, Oh no, John, that's John Rocker's theme. <laughs> oh yeah, pitchy situation can't can't close. Yeah. You're on the seven train and there's people around. <laughs> who, who the hell are they? <laughs> All right. I want to see the exact same music video, but with John Rocker instead of Baylor. <laughs> All right. Let's get into uh, some some more of these uh, questions. Uh, let's get into uh, a question. This is one is from Kayla. She wants to talk about uh, Jeremy and his position in the game. And uh, she thinks it might be pretty good. Hi, Robin Mike. So I was surprised to see that Jeremy thought he was in such a bad spot after the swap. 
Don't you think it's a lot worse to be one couple completely outnumbered by singles? I mean, you're basically just a walking two-headed target. But it might not matter. This tribe has the potential to be kind of physically dominant. Also, a counter-argument to your front-load all your wins and just pig out. I mean, that's great, but you don't really want to be starving and losing right before the merge unless you're in complete control of your tribe. Great job as always, guys, and take care. Okay. So what do you think about Jeremy? Do you th- do you think that he is indeed in a... <laughs> Sticky situation? <laughs> standing on the sidelines, I was going to say. Um, I don't think he's standing on the sidelines. I think he's playing the game. Uh, I, I, I was a little confused, actually, where like, when as soon as the tribe swap happened, Jeremy's like, well, I'm screwed. Like, wasn't the point of Jeremy's all this like spider web of alliances is that he wouldn't be screwed in any situation? Like, it just doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me that he thought, like, oh, I'm public enemy number one. I think he has enough inroads with people like Julie and Natalie that he's going to be able to kind of make those inroads. And it seems like he's, he's attempting to start to, he's attempting to bond with uh, the other tribe members as well. Yeah, I think that he's really in a tight spot, a, uh, a sticky situation, if if you will, uh, because he has to woo over Alec. And I think really Alec holds all the cards in that tribe. Yeah, and it seemed like that from the editing of episode three, it seemed like he held the cards as well. I think Alec is actually in a better position than we're thinking about, maybe just because he's a dude, bro. We're think- we're kind of counting him out, but he's been a-, a fulcrum vote for two weeks in a row now. Yeah. So what do you think of Jeremy's strategy to win over Alec? What's what's your take on, as Jeremy calls it, surround and drown? I don't even know if it's drowning because it's just from two points of view. <laughs> it's not like it's like a whole, the whole group is just en- enveloping Alec and saying like, one of us, one of us. Uh, I, I mean, I think it's, I think it's a good strategy. And I, but I, again, I don't think they're also, they're not like deluging him with anything. I think they're like just subtly sneaking in little comments about like, man, you got, you have a good heart, Alec, you have a good heart. I think they're, but I think they're doing the right thing. I think if they came at Alec too hard, he's he'd be able to understand. Like, okay, I don't want to side with them, um, and they're they're gauging it when they can. Uh, Wes and Josh both have ties with him over the on the other tribe, mm-hmm. but Jeremy doesn't know what those ties may be. For all he knows, Alec could have voted against them at the last tribal council, even though he didn't. They're they're very tenuous lines connecting them all, especially now that John Rocker's gone. So I think Jeremy's I think Jeremy's making the right moves at the moment. Yeah, I think that we have between Jeremy and Natalie, I think there's a little bit of like good cop, bad cop going on where I think Jeremy is sort of like the good cop and he's sort of like, uh, you know, hey, Alec, you gotta, you know, everything's good. If you come with us, everything will be good. And then sort of like Natalie comes up, like, Alec, what are you doing? Are you going with them? You're like the third wheel. You gotta come with us. Yeah, exactly. It's sort of like, we'll just try a bold strategy and see which one works. <laughs> like, uh, Jeremy, and then Jeremy comes back like, hey, man, did you give any thought to what we were talking about before? And then uh, Natalie, like, come on, let's go. Let's go, Alec. Alec, what are you waiting for? <laughs> I just want to imagine waking up in Hunapu, Natalie just like clapping on my face like, you fool, get up. There's food to carry. <laughs> well, I think that <laughs> Natalie and Nadi, I think they teach like CrossFit. I mean, can you imagine like uh, they're like your personal trainer? Like, uh, Rob, come on, let's go, let's go, Rob. You're being, you're like one of the girls. Let's go. 
I want to imagine they just have a big U-turn board up at the front of their classroom, and anytime somebody's not pulling their way, they just stick your picture up on the U-turn board. <laughs> See, I knew they were going to do that to me. As soon as I signed up for this class, I watched their season of The Amazing Race, and I knew they were going to U-turn me. You know, both of them, they seem like real, self-centered, bossy bitches. <laughs> Dale, Dale, you broke your glasses. You're facing the complete opposite direction of the rest of the class. What are you doing? <laughs> Is that Baylor over there? She's a real. She uh, let me give her no, a piece of my mind. No, that's a broom, Dale. That's a broom. <laughs> okay, so we'll see what happens uh, with Jeremy. Uh, do you think that Hunapu goes to tribal in the next episode? I, unless they voluntarily do so, as is uh, as people are believing with the whole Jeff deal. Uh, otherwise, no. I think Hunapu has the physical prowess behind it. And it seems like, you know, they have the basic skills, even like landing sandbags that would be able to defeat Koyopa. <laughs> uh, when you say skills like like throwing sandbags to uh, defeat Koyopa, you make it sound like this is a mission on the quest. <laughs> like, is, is Koyopa a member of Verlox's uh, network that you need to throw Quick sandbags paladins. to defeat? <laughs> Koyopa, throw your shake a pole and throw sandbags onto a swinging platform. <laughs> You're the one true hero. Okay. You can't the mark of of, <laughs> of uh, good wrists. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, real quick, I did a. <laughs> I just wanted to make a list. I just wanted to like sort of cross reference. Who are the people that suck? Um, uh, as far as like, because there were like, it was that Koyopa sucked. And then they switched up the tribes, and then Koyopa still sucked. So the <laughs> common denominator of the people that suck in the challenges this season. Uh, so we know that it's uh, Dale, <laughs> Jacqueline, and Baylor. Those yeah. are the, <laughs> the three people that suck. Yeah, exactly. It's it's uh, <laughs> sort of like in The Apprentice when they like say like send send your three weakest people over to the other team, and it like ends up being like one completely weak like underdog <laughs> team the bad news bears if you will but this time the bad news bears like well the bad news bears did end up losing right so they basically are the bad news bears yeah so those are the people that are really uh it doesn't matter who you put with dale jacqueline and baylor that team's gonna always suck yeah unless it's gonna be like a judging contest in which <laughs> case like koyup is gonna slay them <laughs> Okay, uh, let's go ahead and let's take a question. Uh, speaking of this idea of what's going to happen in the next episode, let's take a question about this. This is from uh, Alex Kuntz. Hey, Rob, this is Alex Kuntz calling from Chicago. I wanted to talk about the idea of bargaining for re- for rights and why I think it could be really problematic in the future. So let's assume that the penalty is going to be going to tribal council and voting out a member. If that's the case, I don't know why uh, tribes wouldn't do exactly what Tupano has done all season. You eat all of your rice, you win all of your challenges, and then when you're tired of someone or you want to throw a challenge, you just bargain for more rice and repeat the process. And I think this gets especially complicated if both tribes start doing this. What happens when both tribes eat all their rice and then both tribes want to, you know, trade for more rice and throw a challenge? So I think this could be kind of problematic in the future and we'd love to hear your thoughts. Thanks. Yeah, um, this could uh, well be for Survivor a sticky situation. Change my guidelines every day. Wait, I drink my highlines? <laughs> what was she saying? For all that breathing into the microphone, she doesn't enunciate well. <laughs> okay, so um, do you see this being problematic for Survivor? Let's say they say, okay, all right, you want rice? We're going to tribal council right now. 
I'm part of me is wondering actually if unless this produces like a big water cooler moment, if they put the kibosh on this starting next season, if they're like we like they they get a, a hunch that like people are getting out of control with their deals, that Jeff's going to be Jeff walks into a challenge, he's going to be like no deals unless we clearly see that you're you know Elizabeth Hasselback hair falling out mal- malnourished, we're not going to make any deals with you. Um, so that way, this can kind of be an isolated incident, and it kind of is an example to players of like. Don't attempt to do this because there are consequences. Okay. How about this? All right. What if instead of going to Jeff Probst? All right. Here's, here's what I, it's a little sinister. Mike, you all tell right. me what about this. Okay. So the tribe gets together and sort of like they don't t- say this in front of any of the producers. But they sort of get together and say, okay, look, we're, we're really running out of rice. We got almost nothing here. Okay. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go and take the bag of rice and I'm going to pull a jatia. Okay. And I'm going to go and, you know, dump the rice out. And they're like, you know what? Screw you, everybody. You're all a bunch of self-centered bitches. And take the rice, you pour it in the ocean. And you dump it in the ocean. Okay? It's like, that's Mm -hmm. it. And and, and now the producers, maybe they don't know how much rice is in the the bag. And then, and and then you, and then you start, and, and, you know, the, the members of the tribe are sort of in on this. Hey, you know, everybody's, everybody's on the same page about this. Um, and so then you sort of like, uh, like have a mea culpa. You know what, uh, Jeff, I don't know what I was thinking, uh, but we have no rice now. We have no, we have no rice. Would, would under that circumstances, not like, hey, we were gluttons. We were fat asses. We ate all our rice. It's sort of like you had a jatia type thing. So and Kara Moen, they were they were given the favorites were given rice right after the whole Brandon right, incident right but Luzon last season was not but they still had like there was a question of do they have five percent of the oh, rice yeah, they, do they oh, have yeah, yeah. do they have three percent of the rice they were able to scoop some of it out of the fire so they were able to salvage some of the Jatia rice in my scenario I dumped it in the ocean I do like the idea of there being a season where their survivors are trying to outwit production <laughs> yeah that's <laughs> called like every that. season Mike. <laughs> Oh, I'm getting the get inside baseball here. Yes, yeah. I mean, it's like you know, it's just like the the te- the kids are in the school are always trying to outwit the teachers. The survivors are always trying to outwit production. I wonder. I wonder. Like, is there a way that the survivors can elude production though to to plot this? Like, no. can they take off their microphones and go into like a corner of the jungle and whisper without any cameras around? I'm I'm sure you could. The problem is you wouldn't be able to get seven survivors to get on the same page. Like you could have like one or two people like, you know, doing something like this. But at the point where you have like six or seven people on the same page about this, then, you know, I I think that the production would uh, would be on to this. But I think it would be interesting to see if it's not like, hey, we ate all our rice. Can we have some more? It's like there was one person. They dumped out the rice and then, you know, they said they're sorry. Now, what, what do we do now? Yeah, that that's an interesting situation, and I'm not sure exactly. I'm not exactly sure what the permutations of trades are to begin with. The only one we've really seen is Jeff in Australia saying, "Give me your shelter." I mean, I guess we'll see it next week, but I can't think of many other things aside from immunity that Jeff can kind of barter with. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see uh, what happens. It'll be it'll be fun to see. Yeah, exactly. Maybe maybe it'll be their clothes. Maybe it'll be oh naked, naked and afraid times seven <laughs> naked and hunapu. <laughs> oh boy now coach would never do naked and afraid oh really yes he doesn't want any you know leeches sucking on his wiener <laughs> is that is that his exact <laughs> reasoning why <laughs> one of the many reasons he doesn't want anything in his bunghole yeah well i was gonna say don't they like strand them sometimes in like i don't know like 
the Canada. I don't think their leeches <laughs> are all around the world, coach. <laughs> well, okay. Uh, so that might be interesting of it's like, hey, I want all your clothes. Uh, talk about a ratings winner for Survivor. Exactly. And, and, this and, and, Wednesday they, on Survivor. Like, <laughs> all right, you want this rice? I need you to take off all your clothes. I think I saw a movie like that once. <laughs> I had to pay for it, though. Oh, my God. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> Uh, not just, not just honey. That is product placement by Dairy Queen. Yeah. I, I, (laughs) did they have to pay Dairy Queen for, does Dairy Queen get royalties every time we play that? (laughs) Do I have to pay for that? (laughs) Oh no. This this episode sponsored you by Dairy Queen. Oh my God. Oh my God. (laughs) I hope not. I hope not. I really hope not, too. Oh, my God. All right. All right. Stay stay tuned for that. Okay. Let's take a question. This one is from uh, Brooks. Let's play uh, Brooks uh, McLaughlin's voicemail. Hey, Rob and Mike. This is Brooks from Canada. Are you tired of listening to our voicemails? Are you tired of answering our questions? Then get ready to get tired. It's time to do more voicemails. All right, so uh, Brooks is referencing the tree mail that came uh, last oh. night. <laughs> I was like, well, right, it was such a oddly introspective. <laughs> it was such a weird tree mail that they got. It was like, uh, are you tired of going to uh, Redemption Island? Are you tired of of having the duels? Well, be tired because you were doing. It's like, it's like an infomercial. <laughs> it was tired of going to tribal council. <laughs> my, my favorite though was the tree mail last season, where it like did the poem and then it just literally described what the challenge was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was good. Uh, yes, <laughs> I like your infomercial of like, uh, are you tired of facing off against your loved ones? <laughs> like, uh, hate losing reward for things that you want. Need Jeff Probst to be more accepting of your trades for Flint? <laughs> Try a tribe switch. <laughs> wow. Tribe right. switch is known to work 80% of the time. Yeah. And if you act now, we'll send in a th- free buff for those of you who <laughs> call in the next 35 minutes. <laughs> we'll send in a free ex- uh, Hero Arena challenge that will not be used this episode. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Um, so as, as far as uh, that goes, yeah, that was odd. Now, um, as far as uh, the hero arena, let's take a question from Ariel. Ariel has a question about what's coming next. Hi, Robin, Mike. This is Ariel. My question is, how do you think Heroes Arena will play out post-swap? Is it done? And now we'll just see a typical reward challenge with one or two players being selected to go to exile? Or do you think it somehow stays in play? Thanks. Look forward to hearing your answer. Mike, what's your take on this? Where do you think we go from here? Now, I feel like this uh, Hero Arena is sort of like an expensive big build for the show. Yeah, absolutely. And that's one of the reasons why they changed it from Redemption Island. Well, once they scrap Redemption Island, they're like, well, crap, we just built this however thousand dollar set. We might as well use it for something. And that's where Hero, Hero Arena was born. So I can imagine that they weren't just going to use it for two weeks and then scrap it. So what, I mean, do, you, what do you think they'll do? I mean, I think they're just going to have, they're going to pick one person from each tribe and then they won't be loved ones, but they'll square off and then it'll be the same situation. If the person who wins will get to send one person from their tribe with the loser to exile, to exile Island. I think it'll just be the same format, just not loved, loved ones facing off against each other. You don't think we'll want to do reward challenges like the tribe against the tribe? No, because I think this, the survivor likes to stick with a format. Um, like, 
it's very rare even in the even in the seasons that don't have redemption island or exile island that they'll like start off with these combined challenges and then do individual reward challenges like we only see a couple of those they tend to stick with one format for the pre-merge and keep going so and they they get a lot of mileage out of this as well with like the one-on-one face-off and the fact that like if one person wins or loses is they're they're to blame for the entire tribe so i think they want to keep playing with that aspect for at least I don't know. I get, I, I'm looking. To, I'm thinking we're going to merge in a couple of episodes. So I would say at least one more time. So what do you think we're going to do after the merge? After the merge, I think they're going to scrap it. I think then they'll actually do reward challenges because I don't know. I was thinking about this today. Like, oh, I have no idea what they would do. Like, re- we're going to divide you into teams and then you will each pick one person from each team to face off. <laughs> yeah, uh, it'll be interesting to see if they, what they end up doing with this because uh, they have this big set. You know, they'll want to use it. Maybe next season they'll just live there. <laughs> oh. It'll be w- one world, but in the hero arena. <laughs> yeah, Survivor Hero Arena. That would that would be great, and then it'd be like all it'd be all firemen and cops. <laughs> Why does it have to be firemen and cops? Because oh, it's all heroes? heroes. Yeah, they're all the and then like they'll, you'll have like some comic book fans. Uh, you'll have like postmen who are like the true American heroes. <laughs> some soldiers, soldiers and postmen. Survivor government employees. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's see. Um, okay. I have uh, a choice for you here, Mike. I'm going to give this. This is a, uh, I have a, a, a Mike's choice for you. Not a Rafe's choice. A Mike's choice. Oh, boy. Here okay. we go. I have two voicemails for you from Daniel Ladiano. Mm-hmm. Okay. I want you to pick which one you want to answer. Okay. Well, we're only going to answer one. Okay. Here's, here is choice one. Hey, Rob. I'm sorry. I'm just a little bit sad because of what happened to Dale. He's one of my favorite players this season because he seems to be one of the few diehard Survivor fans. But he gets screwed over and over just like Spencer a season ago. So I'm wondering, what's the best course of action for Dale? How can he save his hide? My opinion is that the best thing that he can do is maybe work with Keith, John, and Jacqueline and try to split missing Baylor. But that's just my thought. I want to see what you think. And of course, take care. Okay, that was number one. Okay. All right. He wants to know what should Dale do? Here's question number two. Hey, Rob, it's time for me to simplify my question. Out of the couples remaining, which one do you think will be the last to stay intact? Tell me what you think. And of course, as always, take care. Okay. All right. Well, I, I like the energy in the second question, but I kind of like the first question more. Yeah. So I'm I'm torn. I'm very torn. Not a lot of a, callers have a catchphrase. Yeah, and they don't have like a booming like I can imagine like the big block letters appearing by him behind them that say simplify your question. <laughs> a schoolhouse rock cartoon or something. Um <laughs> You know what? Let's let's go with the Dale question. Okay, Dale. Okay, so Dale is is Dale the Spencer of Survivor? <laughs> Survivor say one, Dale sir. It's like Spencer stepped into like a time machine and <laughs> emerged again. <laughs> I can finally play Survivor again. Um, oh I, my god! So <laughs> so Spencer. So Spencer is go, goes through his entire life and then grows up to be Dale. Yep, and then he goes back in time. He's like, all right, I can go back. I can. I can play Survivor again right after I finish, so I still remain relevant. And no. then he goes back, and then he no, here, to be Dale. He, no, here's what happened: that Dale is in the is in the present day, 
And then Dale went to like the state fair and then found like the Zoltar machine. <laughs> and then, uh, or is it the other way around? Did Spencer, cause Spencer, I don't think that Spencer, no, Spencer, yeah, Spencer went to the Zoltar machine <laughs> after he lost Kagayan. Like all, the- man, I lost, I lost Survivor because I wasn't a grown up and all these other people were took advantage of me, Tony and Cass and all the, all these people that I can't wait. But uh, when I, I want to be big, I want to be a grown up. Yep, and then the Zoltar machine, which is conveniently a Mark Burnett product, uh, <laughs> came to life. And then he woke up in his bed, and he was gray, and he was and he was Dale. And he said, "Like, oh, I'm gonna reapply." But the question is, how did he get a daughter? Ah, well, then here, well, here's the thing. Here's the ironic thing. Um, then he fell in love with Kelly. Ah, so she <laughs> she has to masquerade as his daughter. No, she really is his, his daughter. Oh. It's a Whoa. <laughs> this is a twist in the in the movie. So is this, and then we're going to flash back to like 50 years from now. It's like, Spencer, it's about your kids. Yeah. And then it turns out this is like a Terminator twist that Spencer is his own dad. Oh, I like that. And then uh, do they send, then Tony reveals that he's actually from the future. He's sent to destroy Spencer. Look, look, Spencer, you're a nice kid. I'm here. I'm here to protect you (laughs) from yourself in the future. The the Vlachinator. Yes. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> wow that is uh <laughs> that's where's that fan fiction <laughs> talk about a sticky situation uh where's that fan fiction noise that's, uh, that's working on it working on it for the fan fiction noise there it's not ready uh, yet. oh my god so to, Still in the oven. Answer the, to answer the question uh so i think the thing that dale can do i mean not to like make a <laughs> pun here but i think he needs to butter up to muffin uh i think he i think he needs to like kind of come back and, and realize that like I mean she's she's in a good position. Is there coming back from that Mike? I I That I seems would, a little pie in the sky for Muffin. <laughs> uh yeah, maybe maybe not. not I think you're I, sugarcoating this. I think I'm sugarcoating my Muffin. Uh <laughs> I think I I guess he's making I guess he would make the right, right move to go back to John and Jacqueline and make a make a push for Keith. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. Uh I think I I mean I think that's the next big push for him to make and especially the thing that they can use, he can use against Keith is that Keith has Wes on the other side. Yeah. I'm trying let me uh just try, try to think about this uh, seriously. So for Dale now there's down to down to six people. Now what do you think the Dale and Keith relationship is is like? I mean Stephen Fishback and I were talking about it. Could they get the, you know, the old dogs thing going? Do you think that they are on the same page? It seems like from the old Hunapu days, Missy and Keith are still a thing. Yeah, I I think Dale got off on the wrong foot with both Missy and and Keith. I mean I th- I think we we can look at the Espada tribe from my favorite season, Survivor Nicaragua, as an example of like the, the thing and not to stereotype older people, but older people are kind of set in their ways and they have a definite way of things being done, a definite way about <clears throat> how they feel about certain people. So I think that Keith is not going to be one to kind of flip his opinion if Dale comes back to him and apologizes. I think he kind of has a set opinion about Dale. And I don't think unless the, the winds twist, he's going to want to work with Dale anytime soon. So I think the only move Dale can make is honestly to gather up people against Keith. Yeah. Um, Could Dale come in and say to Keith, hey, look, Keith, you've got a you've got a son. I've got a daughter. Why don't we marry our houses together and we take this game? 
Ooh, the old Brady Bunch strategy. <laughs> yes. I haven't seen that one in a while. Yes. What do you think of that? Uh, that could be that that could be interesting. Uh, the I, arranged I think, marriage I, alliance. I could I could ship Kelly and Wes. I, I would I would like to see them together. Yeah, I think that might that might be good. But in all in all seriousness, now for for Dale, I feel like um, he is in a tough spot. It looks like he's going to be uh, fooling around with his uh, fake immunity idol next week, and uh, we'll see how, how that ends up going. Um, but it's going to be tough for for him. He's in a really bad spot, and I can't see the John and Jacqueline, Missy Baylor thing breaking up, and the key thing. So he really is going to need to pull a rabbit out of his hat, and I don't know if my fake immunity idol is going to be that rabbit. Yeah, we'll see. Though I, I feel like he did go to the right person in John because part of me feels like John might be a little daft enough to m- maybe think it's an, a real idol. Not not like on a Jason Siska level, but like he might he might actually feasibly think it's a real idol. Yeah, I could see that. We could I could certainly see that being the case. All right, let's go to our next voicemail question. All right, let's take a question here from this is from Dan. Hey, Robin, Mike, Dan from Dover here. Uh, I'll see you next week. It looks like Dale's going to try to claim me as a fake community idol. I thought, well, Keith has an idol already, so maybe he'll tell everyone, well, my idol doesn't look like his, so it's a fake idol. So why doesn't Dale go ahead and say he has a Tyler Perry idol? Everyone saw last season, I'm assuming, so he could claim me as an idol that you could use after the... Just let me hear your thoughts. Thanks. Bye. Okay, what do you think? Should Dale say that his idol is not just a fake idol, but it's a fake Tyler Perry idol? So I mean, I feel like that would only come after that situation with Keith where like, it's like a schoolyard thing of like, Dale says, well, I have an idol. Keith says, well, I have an idol too. And Dale goes, well, mine's a Tyler Perry idol. <laughs> just kind of one-upping each other. Yeah. I mean, we just talked about if Dale, if Dale needs to go for broke, and I guess if he wants to try that he can maybe he doesn't even to say it's a tyler perry idol just say it's an idol with special powers and i feel like as we saw with last season special powers is enough were enough vague words to kind of hang over everybody and kind of keep the target off your back yeah i think where that might come up is when you have somebody like keith and, and dale's like well look look guys i've got the idol i've got the idol so you can't vote me out and keith's like well i've got an idol and i don't that that thing don't look like my idol and then dale is like well I've got the Tyler Perry idol. And then Keith says, well, uh, I have the Anthony Anderson idol. <laughs> that can be played at the immunity challenge. Yeah. So I, I don't know. We'll have to see you that. I, I hope that Dale has something in his bag of tricks. Yeah. Oh. I, that, yeah, he, he should. Hopefully. I hope he learned from his experiences in Survivor Kagiyan. <laughs> that he to bring his own bag of tricks this time. Maybe the Vlachinator gave it to him before he took off. <laughs> yeah okay uh so, all right let's take a question from uh don hey rob it's the don that doesn't suck in cincinnati uh the youtube sensation singer of the rob that sucks song that's available right now of course uh got a question about the tribe swap uh, it looks like to me they didn't randomize it as much as they generally do uh Koyopa got a bag of six buffs Hunapu got a bag of eight buffs which guaranteed four Hunapu together with three Koyopa, which is not the way at all they did it for the last Blood versus Water. 
just wonder your thoughts on that and why they did it that way. Okay, now, did you have any issue with the way that they did the tribe swap? Did it seem unfair to you? Because in my head, I was like, boy, they really got lucky that they ended up with, of the five potential pairs still in the game, um, they ended up with, uh, with, with four of the pairs together, right? Or is it, I, is it I, six pairs that were together into, going into last night? Yeah, there were... No, there were five because four got. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Tribe. It's only uh, in the. I'm thinking in the original Blood versus Water, it was ten pairs, but this yeah. was only this was only nine pairs. So out of a potential five pairs, four got paired up together. I mean, I I personally had no problem with it. I I like general even numbers for the tribes because I I think it makes for weirder statistics um we even saw that like it was generally even numbers on the new solana tribe last season and we got to see how that was an interesting vote with uh tony swinging over to vote out cliff robinson i i think it uh the one definite uh twist that i missed is like the schoolyard pick them for tribe switches where like i remember in like the original fans versus favorites it was like okay Parvati, you have to pick someone on the fans tribe to be on your tribe. And like they picked it that way because I thought that was a nice way for both the tribes to kind of mix together and to be evenly matched. I, I don't know how they would do it in this case with blood versus water, but that would be that would be interesting to bring back. Who is the Don that sucks from Cincinnati? <laughs> I have I have no idea. I had I don't frequent the Cincinnati YouTube circuits, but he seems like a pretty big deal. OK, I'll have to ask Antonio about this. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, how about this? Uh, let's take a question and uh, let's go to this one that is from uh, Josh Spaulding. And his question is at. Hey, Rob. Josh Spaulding calling from New Hampshire. I'm wondering um, does our, our friend Muffin not understand the idea of rationing? If she gets 39 muffins for 39 days, does that mean one muffin a day? I, it seems to me that this would be a basic thing in Survivor, if you're going on Survivor, you you got to know this, you got to ration your food. It seems like she has absolutely no no problem with eating it all at once. But anyways, uh, love the podcast, keep up the great work, and have a good night. Is Josh being unfair here that if you had 39 muffins for 39 days, what would, would you, the right thing to do be eat one muffin a day? Uh, that's tough because I love, I love me some muffins. Uh, no, because I mean, if, if it's if it's Survivor, you're going to be getting muffins on day 39. You'll probably be getting Outback steak on day 32 if you win the challenge. So, like, I'd, I'd say I wouldn't say consume as again as many muffins as possible. But it's all about like absolute. Uh, it's absolute to- the marginal toleration. You've got to say like maybe I'll have like two or maybe I'll have like one and a half muffins today and half a muffin tomorrow. Hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it's almost like. Um... You know, if you were somebody and you had like a set amount of money and it's like you're not getting any more any more money, you've got like, you know, you've got thirty five hundred dollars and that's it. You get thirty five hundred dollars. So it's like, boy, I could just like spend, you know, five dollars a day and try to be a real cheapo depot for as long as I can. Or you could go around and uh, spread that money around and, you know, you got to spend money to make money and you could end up with winning rewards and all sorts of things. And exactly. ended up winning that million dollars. That's true. Uh, th- um, and I mean, Hunapu was able to get the numbers by consuming that rice partly, partly because, you know, they had such badasses on their tribe. But I think uh, I think their strategy paid off a little bit in the short term. I mean, in the long term, these guys are kind of wasting away. But I don't know. I don't, I don't know how I don't know if the situation is as grim as it's made out to be. Okay, let's take one more voicemail. 
Hi, Rob. Mike, this is Kurt Connor from Massachusetts. With all the trading back and forth this season, it seems like the season is evolving into survivors of Catan, wood for sheep. My question is, do you think this presents an unfair advantage for Josh, who said he likes Settlers of Catan in his bio? Thanks. Mike, this is a Settlers of Catan question. All right. This is... <laughs> I, 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 was, I was waiting for this one. Okay. Uh, is this season of Survivor turning too much into Settlers of Catan? Mm, it's, a, it's, a good, it's a good question, but I mean... I, I wouldn't say so. I mean, I think Settlers of Catan, there's certainly a trading element to it, but I would think it's more of a more of a strategy thing than anything else of like the timing of the trade. Here, it just seems like they're just throwing trades out willy nilly. It's sort of like more of a monopoly thing than a Settlers of Catan thing at this point. Okay, so it's not an unfair advantage. I, I would say I would say not. If there was a, if there was someone who was a big fan of monopoly out there, then then maybe. <laughs> okay all right let's get into talking about all sorts of things from uh social media and some of the uh survivor news that's happening okay so uh first off let's start and extend a big congratulations to one of our couples who has gotten engaged Jacqueline and john they're the hottest couple around period and now they are on their way to the altar john and Jacqueline are engaged Oh, I thought you were going to say Dale and Missy. No, no, not yet. <laughs> not, not yet. Not yet. They're, they're, the, they're, the, they're the coldest couple around. They are the coldest couple around. Uh, well, yeah, congratulations to them. That's fantastic. And I know like last night, I think people were a little, uh, they, were, they, were, they had a lot of hesitation watch, seeing that right before the episode here because they thought like either John or Jacqueline were going home, but it looks like a false alarm for now. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad they didn't, you know, propose at the finale. Uh, though things do happen in threes, you know, in, in life. So that would have been the third survivor proposal, but that, uh, but I'm, I'm happy for them. They, they seem, they seem like they're in love. I mean, only true soulmates would be able to make out with each other so many times without any sort of scope or crest product placement. <laughs> yeah. So do you think the timing is anything? Isn't it weird that they got engaged on a Wednesday? Like who, who gets engaged in the middle of the week? Yeah, uh, I mean, it's. I mean, I don't know. I, I proposed to my fiance on a Tuesday, so it's it's the new thing to do, Rob. Okay, well, that's. I guess that's. The, what do I know? I guess I'm old school. Wednesday's the new Friday. Yeah, uh, we'll have to check with uh, Missy on what days are the best days of the week to get engaged. <laughs> she she probably has like well she's she got has a lot of research yeah, yeah she's got three crossed off so there's only four that are possible <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> Why well, you think she had all? It was always a different day. Yeah, I'd like to think that these three men were like from three completely different cultures. Like you had like one like down home hardy southern man, and then you had like I don't know a punk rock guy, and then you had like an upper crust New England guy. So she's like it's like a montage from an '80s movie of her going through clothing choices and everyone shaking their head. She's just trying to find the perfect fit. <laughs> trying to find the perfect fit. Is that why she's Mama Bear? Because she literally is from the story of Goldilocks. Exactly. Exactly. She was Goldilocks, and then she grew up to the Mama Bear, which is a weird, uh, weird family. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, here's some other big news from the Survivor world. Now, I did not know that this was a thing, but Mike, did you know that the classic TV game show, The Price Is Right, of course, has had many of Barker's beauties throughout the years and many mm-hmm. uh, spokesmodels of the female variety, but. Uh, right now, The Price is Right is doing a web series of a male model search. Oh, really? Did you, you, did you know about this? Wait, I think I do. Is this the one and only 
Nicole's hearts forever and ever, Jay Byers? Is he is he in the the running for it? Yes, Jay Byers. Come on down. In you... your underwear, preferably. Yes, take your pants down. Jay Byers. <laughs> You're the next male model on yes. the Price is Right. Oh my God. So Jay Byers is one of the 30 men competing to be a male model on the Price is Right. So what's the process behind this now? Is there going to be a reality show about it? Is this just like an online vote? Is there even a vote? Do the producers just pick? Okay, so according to this, I'm looking at a press release and it sort of outlines the whole thing. So uh, starting on Mondays, uh, beginning October 27th at PriceIsRight.com, you can watch the webisodes uh, play out. So apparently webisode one is a nationwide open call in uh in los angeles i think it might be be sort of like american idol where you might see like some william hung type people so you see like (laughs) like uh like me come in or and and uh audition and then they start to narrow down the field Mm -hmm. okay so is it is this like is it has this already been decided or is it like live I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But the online voting is going to begin December 1st. And then on Monday, December 8th, the winner is announced. And then on uh, Monday, December 15th, the winner begins the week-long appearance on The Price is Right. Well, knowing Jay Byers, he's going to tell someone that a competitor of his is getting a low amount of votes. And then those people are going to vote for that competitor and he's going to win. So, yes, Jay Byers is in the mix for the top 30 in Survivor Price is Right male model. But ah, fantastic. I love seeing the, the one world coverage slowly seep out into their survivor community, into the uh, the off survivor community. I know it's it's pretty frowned. One world is not a, a, it's a pretty frowned upon season, but it's nice to see their alumni between, you know, Michael on Naked and Afraid. Sure. Now you have Jay Byers going after a little piece of Drew Carey. Like I think, I think the One World alumni are making their impact on the world. Now, Mike, you know that's not all. What? That it's not just Survivor One World alumni competing in the in the male model search for the Price Is Right. Oh man, who is it? Pete bro, Pete Yurkowski, come on down. You're one of the top 30 for the Price is Right male model search. Mr. Abby Maria, RC, eat your heart out. Yeah. Uh, He's going to plant a hidden immunity idol clue on Jay Bowers' bag (laughs) to convince everyone that he's looking for one. He'll get voted out. Pete bro, take your pants down. Yes. Oh my God. Who saw a Pete Yurkowski story coming on the podcast this week? Wow. This is this is truly between a Pete Yurkowski story and a Settlers of Catan question. <laughs> Clearly, we are in a very niched podcast this evening. Yes. Yes. And I I, I kind of want there to be a reality show now because I want them to like face off in like Plinko for mm-hmm. elimination or something. Sure. Sure. Um. And Mike, that's not all. What? <laughs> yes, that's right. Dan Liu, come on down. Oh, my God. <laughs> no. Oh, sorry, no. malaria. No, no, no. False alarm, false alarm. That's, oh, a, that's it. I was, I was uh, pulling your leg on that one. Dan Liu's on supermarket <laughs> sweep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> no, but uh, he, I, I believe he is a uh, featured extra in uh, Baylor's video. You're my sweet temptation. No. Yeah, um, with the, the long hair that got an egg cracked on his head. All right, so I feel like RHAP needs to make an official endorsement for either Jay Byers or Pete Yurkowski in the model search. Oh, man, that's tough. I mean, so we so we have to think about, like, what are the tenets of a prices, mod, a prices Right male model? So they have to, like, stand there, hawk the products. Who do, who do we think? I feel like Pete doesn't do a lot of smiling. I feel like we've seen Jay smile a lot more. Pete does a lot of, like, brooding. I don't want to, I don't want to do the showcase showdown with uh, a Camaro and Pete Yurkowski, <laughs> like, glaring at me. So I'm, I might make an endorsement for Jay myself. Okay, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. It's going to be uh, very, very, very exciting. Very exciting. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. We'll follow. We'll follow it as it happens. Okay. All right. So uh, also, uh, you know, this is a segment we started last week. Of course, uh, Mark Solera put this uh, all of the news items together for us. Uh, Survivor birthdays this week. <laughs> this is like it is like entertainment tonight. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes. Uh, so uh, a very happy Survivor birthday. Well, of course, I had my birthday on uh, this past Monday. Yeah, it was fantastic. Happy belated birthday, so Rob. Thank you. Thank you very much. And in addition, uh, also, a very happy Survivor birthday to uh, the uh, just aforementioned Abby Maria Gomez. She, hers was the day after yours, right? Yes, day after mine. And also, happy birthday this week to Susie Smith, uh, who's been <laughs> her birthday on Friday. Ah, the old, the most, the most notable Survivor contestant ever, Susie Smith, runner-up from Survivor Gabon. <laughs> so happy birthday to uh, three great Survivor players in one week. Uh, Rob Sesternino, Abby Maria, and Susie Smith. Do you think Corinne sent her a gift? Oh, probably. <laughs> <laughs> if it's anything like Jatia's gift, I'm, I'm a little wary. Yeah. Um, Let's let's talk about some of the tweets from uh, this past week. All right. Okay. Uh, so let's let's get into it. Um, you know, did you see Jatia tweeted about that she listened to the podcast with Bryce? Yeah, she was like super like passive aggressive. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah. What What did she say? I forget now. I think uh, she, she said she, something like, "She's like, nice job, Bryce. Like, waited to like." I'm glad to see that our contestants can be represented well on RHAP or something like that. She, what, like a, she, what she said was that she listened to the podcast with Bryce and uh, that Bryce uh, even made Rob Sesternino seem nice. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, geez. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, all right, let's start with Eliza, who was on the uh, guest on the podcast last week. Uh, she tweeted, Whoa, Baylor, ease up on your mom. Ha, ha, ha. Mom's been married and divorced three times. I'm sure her fourth time will come. Well, well if, she, if, he, if he does, then she's going to have a sister on Hey, the now. Hey, now. Easy. Take it easy. <laughs> family podcast, my family. Family podcast. Just talking about bagel. Yes, bagel. <laughs> All right. Also, uh, Eliza said, I never had rice on Survivor, so I don't know how the rationing works exactly, but common sense dictates you ration. Was it all in caps? Yeah, ration was all in caps. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. Uh, well, I was trying to think, yeah, what did what did she have? I guess in, I know in Vanuatu they had the bananas that she talked about last week. I don't remember what they had in Micronesia. Yeah. <laughs> um, what did they have in Micronesia? Uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Whatever I'll ask Ozzie you in, in, uh, in a few months. Yeah, whatever, whatever Ozzy was bringing in was yes. what they had. Yes. What, crabs? <laughs> that's what Family he called, podcast, that's, Rob. That, Family podcast. No, no. Oh, Mike, get your head out of the gutter. 
Get your head out of the gutter. Okay, so um, then Tyson <laughs> tweeted last night. This is a little of a Survivor on Survivor uh, Twitter war going on. <laughs> oh, no. Can you narrate it like you did your wrestling thing with Sierra last year? <laughs> All right, Tyson. <laughs> Tyson tweeted, I like tribe swaps. Mix it up. See who can work their way to the top again. Takes a lot of luck and a little game. So that's what Tyson had to say. And then... Uh, Oh, God, here comes Sophie Clark. <laughs> she says, uh, at Tyson Apostle, almost a classic at Rupert Boneham tweet. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. And then uh, Tyson responded, now I'm ashamed. But I like that he kept Rupert in the at reply. Then Sophie <laughs> at replied Rupert. And then Tyson at replied, now I'm ashamed. <laughs> did, did he... <laughs> Oh my! So so oh so she she tagged him in the tweet as well. Yeah yeah. Oh my god, that's that's fantastic. Now I, I want to see Rupert in like that Burger Shack in Indiana that he <laughs> that he did the reunion from, just being like, oh, so much for my dreams. Yeah. Three more burgers, Marianne. <laughs> you think Rupert is a stress eater? I think I think he absolutely. He's, if he's not a stress fisher, he's a stress eater. Okay. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Rupert does just like uh, give you the play-by-play of uh, what's going on with uh, on tw- on Twitter during the episode. Yeah, it's it's like if you don't need to necessarily watch Survivor, you could just see what Rupert's doing in 140 characters. Yeah, it's sort of like uh, they're eating rice. I I ate rice and it was delicious. <laughs> Rupert, these aren't the Big Brother live feeds. You don't need to recap what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay i'm trying to see if he had anything uh interesting to say tonight um he says uh hey no matter what keith better not go out with a souvenir he needs to play that idol yeah that's that is not good strategy <laughs> just the man who had a rock in his pocket for an idol Keith did not need to play the idol last night i can i can assure you <laughs> yeah another uh Rupert tweet, uh, it's always Scramble City leading up to Tribal Council. <laughs> I, I think Rupert's like, you know when like CBS uses those hashtags and we're like, who actually uses those? I feel like Rupert is one of those people that definitely yeah. always uses the hashtag. Yeah. By the way, Scramble City is the breakfast place around the corner from me. Uh, best muffin in town, coincidentally. Oh, how are their bagels? <laughs> Good. <laughs> Good. Uh, okay. Uh, so Sophie, then she tweeted, uh, survivors should start writing their votes in the form of Twitter handles. Well, I I always felt like if I was going to ever go back on survivor and when I'm voted out first, I want everybody to write at Rob Sesternino as my vote. I feel like that would be, I feel like Jeff's head would explode, but I feel like, uh, you really can't buy that kind of, uh, marketing. Especially if they do like hashtag blindside. Yeah. (laughs) Rob Sesternino hashtag (laughs) blindside. (laughs) If I ever go on Survivor, I'm absolutely doing that. <laughs> hashtag blindside. Hashtag first off. Hashtag see you on the flip side. <laughs> hashtag I'll eat this rock. <laughs> hashtag Rob that sucks. Um, okay. Sophie also said from now on, I'll direct anyone who complains about new school Survivor not showing enough camp life to this boring episode. Hashtag boring. <laughs> now, I, I kind of saw this a little bit last night. Does Sophie not know how to use hashtags? <laughs> Yeah. Then, uh, so then Eliza wrote back. Yeah. If you put a pound next to the word, it lights up blue. That's what makes it a hashtag. See what I did there? Um, I guess, uh, 
I don't know if Sophie didn't want the word boring to be the hashtag. The way that she did it was pound sign and then the word bore, then the word bore, and then the word ing. Hmm. So I'm not. Yeah. I want to make sure I I have this on the printout. I'm looking it up on Twitter. I want to make sure I have this uh, correctly. Uh, Looks like maybe uh, Sophie might have deleted this one. Oh, wow. So she was actually embarrassed about that. I I thought that'd be something that Sophie would like troll Eliza about a little bit. That's what I thought she was doing. Yeah. Okay. Well, there's no deleting the tweets from from the RHAP research team. No, we we have eyes everywhere. Yes. And then Sophie responded, uh, you should be a hashtag for Halloween. And I'll keep saying to you, I don't get it. (laughs) I would would want to be a fly on the wall on that party just to see that. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Are you ready for some uh, Lisi tweets? Oh my God, absolutely. Okay. Uh, Lisey tweets. Uh, let's go. Uh, first one. Uh, she, uses, she uses the hashtag drop your buffs and says, uh, I say drop your pants. Oh my God. <laughs> Tidy Whitey. Tidy Whitey is like the, the green eggs and ham of erotic uh, songs. <laughs> you know, like, have you ever bleeped in a car? Have you ever bleeped on a bar? <laughs> bleeped with a goat? Bleeped on a boat. <laughs> So, uh, Lisi is the uh, Dr. Seuss of uh, sexually explicit anthems. You heard it here, folks. <laughs> okay. Um, then uh, she tweeted, uh, there needs to be more sex on Survivor. Hashtag Survivor. There, there, needs, there is no sex on Survivor. You can't say more when there is none. <laughs> <laughs> There needs to be more sex. Wait, it, isn't she isn't she also using the hashtag Survivor Comedy Hour? Yeah, uh, that's her own hashtag. Yeah, that's not on the screen. What does that even mean? Uh, it means that she does comedy during the Hour of Survivor. Oh, I thought she meant that the season was like the Survivor. No, comedy no, that's hour. her hashtag. Oh, that's her hashtag. Okay, that makes more sense. And then uh, she also said, um, blood is blood. She used that hashtag and says, uh, what the F does that mean? It's Survivor. Lisi is clearly not a phlebotomist. Yeah, not like Lee. Not like Lee. No, not a Lee. Yeah. Oh, man, that was, I was just like crumping in the background while we were doing that segment. <laughs> um, a lot of people uh, have that misconception, but blood is blood. Have you ever bleeped in blood? Have you ever bleeped in the mud? <laughs> yeah. I have I don't want to bleep in blood. <laughs> or they they might have John and Jacqueline might have bleeped in the mud after that immunity challenge. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh my god. Uh because I, I can tell you uh if, I I don't know for sure, but I but I heard that's a Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's it, they tie together seamlessly. Yeah. I'm smelling a mashup. Yeah, I think that may and, and maybe if you're <laughs> if you're a freak like a uh, farm guy sixty nine, uh, maybe uh, maybe I don't know. Uh, Bryce uh, says, "I'm telling y'all now, better watch out for farm guy because he's coming with a tractor trailer to plow y'all over." <laughs> I, doesn't Bryce use like all those emoji emoticons too? Yes, uh, Bryce is very is very big on the emoji. Yeah, and he does like seven of them in a row that are the exact same ones. Yes, yeah, he does a lot. He does a lot of emoji, even like from like uh, instant messaging him with like on Instagram. Uh, he's really uh, gets freaky with emoji. Oh man, that's he. He should be like working for emoji. 
<laughs> oh, such a musical episode. Uh, uh. Yeah, let's get emoji all week. Let's get emo- let's get cry face all week. <laughs> What's the emoji for being a freak? Oh I feel like it God. looks like Bryce. <laughs> it's gotta be like some it's gotta be like a little tiny dragon or something. It's <laughs> a freak? It's a it's a uh, have you seen a tiny dragon in real life, Rob? It's kind of a freak. <laughs> okay. Uh Bryce says, uh, don't play with Missy. She will divorce you, Dale. You know, the way that Dale was talking to Missy, it sounds like they're already married. Do we know? Yeah. For, would that be one of the twists on the season that it turns out that Dale is already one of Missy's ex-husbands? Do we know that? <laughs> it just turns into an episode of Maury. Missy, how many times do I have to tell you not to put so much rice at once? What a bitch. <laughs> He's like, oh, well, I'm making 60000 50000 after alimony. Yeah, didn't he say like, yeah, I could throw a rock right now? <laughs> oh my yeah. god! Whoa, Dale is like surprisingly violent. Could throw a rock at that bitch! <laughs> like, would he get removed of that for like stoning? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> stoning is grounds for removal. All right, I'm glad we're on yeah, the same page. This isn't the leftovers. Stop it. <laughs> or Stop the lottery. It. The lottery. <laughs> Oh, a literary reference. All right. Uh, <laughs> tweets from some of the current survivors. Uh, Josh, uh, Josh Canfield. And again, they can't tweet about Survivor, but sometimes they tweet about other things. Uh, so I hear Laura. They talk about the, this Mysteries of Laura show a lot. So I hear Laura has to start working with a new team tonight. Dynamics will change. Drama will ensue. There you go. I kind of want those current survivors that are listening to this to like use certain code words. <laughs> you want you want to give them a code word and then so you want to give out a code word right now to the current survivors and see if they use it? Yeah, so if the cur- so if any current survivors are listening, if you say like, "Man, that was an open and shut case." Hashtag <laughs> #mysteries of Laura, we'll know that you listened. You have like your own little hashtag. <laughs> well, they have that same hashtag. You're actually giving them a tweet to use. Yeah, so you're you like next- Sophie, you don't understand hashtags. <laughs> Apparently not. I'm giving you a, I'm giving you like code words to use. <laughs> so when Eliza dresses up like a tweet then you can go and say I don't get it I'll be like oh I got a great hashtag for you uh, went to the store bought an apple <laughs> hashtag 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 pound sign hashtag uh, 69 I called you back yeah <laughs> whoa Far, that was a tweet to, was that an at mention for farm guy 69 it might it might have been yeah okay uh, this is from uh kelly she said uh sometimes you make it to the end and sometimes a tribe swap destroys your world big sigh she i mean i can't compliment her enough she was fantastic on your interview and i read uh josh wiggler's parade magazine interview with her as well she just seems like a very adept down-to-earth person i would say in general this cast seems like a group of like real people which we haven't seen for a long time yeah um i think she was almost uh pretty much uh very similar to uh laura from survivor caramon Mm-hmm. I could, yeah, I could definitely see that. I think maybe even more feisty. I was gonna say I haven't been on Survivor Sucks yet, but I know they're probably like fawning over her at oh, this yeah. point. Oh yeah, start the threads now. Yeah. Start, <laughs> start the Kelly Wentworth uh, appreciation thread, and then uh, I'll see you in in uh, five thousand pages. <laughs> exactly. Also, when she actually comes on. <laughs> <laughs> this is a note from Mark Solari. Tells me uh, also for every tweet that Kelly sent out, she put a bomb emoji in the tweet. Man. Uh, oh no. Yeah. <laughs> 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 
Yeah. Okay. Uh, John Mish tweeted, ha ha ha. So much hate. Just a numbers game, guys. Was was he really fending off that many haters? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I know like the next, t- t- uh, I mean, today is Thursday, but I know like the next day after Kelly was voted out, some people were like, actually trying to gonna rage quit the show but i think that's a little ridiculous and that's few and far between yeah yeah that's uh nobody should ever quit the show over anything that happens pre-merge yeah exactly oh i wouldn't i would say even like post-merge because i think there's still like elements of the show to like like even if you have the double quit in nicaragua or the whole brenda and dawn thing in karen moen like there's still salvage salvageable things and even in the brenda instance there was like one episode left like you didn't need to quit the show an episode before it's over <laughs> Yeah, there's probably well, there's no good reason to quit the show. I think if you're going to quit the show, I think at the end of a season, I think sort of reevaluate. But these people that you know, and I've I've known a lot of them. I've heard over the years, you know, different things that have happened. People have quit. Um, they come back. Yeah, exactly. They, they all they always come crawling back. <laughs> it's an empty threat. These people that are going to quit Survivor. Well, especially on the internet. Yeah, and, and especially when they're quitting over something that happens pre-merge. Exactly. exactly. Okay. Do you, do you think that's what the quitter this season does? To come back? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Um, let's take uh, also the, one of the things we're doing this season is from some of the members of the Rob Has a Podcast community. We're also uh, following people on Twitter. Uh, here's one from uh, James McDaniel at Peppermint Fatty. Uh, he pulls a quote that I actually really liked from the last episode. Uh, Alex said last night, the juice isn't worth the squeeze. Have you ever heard that quote before? I haven't outside of like a lyric <laughs> from the musical Hairspray. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that's actually the motto on the above the sign at Scramble City. Oh, I was going to say I thought it was the motto of the O.J. Simpson trial. <laughs> the juice isn't worth the squeeze. Is the actually, Johnny Cochran thing. <laughs> James tweets, uh, the juice isn't worth the squeeze. Is actually taken word for word from Muffin's second divorce proceedings. Ouch. Oh, Ooh, boy, that's, that's, a, that's a burn. Zing. <laughs> okay uh let's see uh this is from uh haymaker hattie the great uh the great jessica least she says uh keith seems to be in tight with muffin could he be number four i i love this spec well wait is keith married i feel like he is these, <laughs> these can't be all single parents on survivor <laughs> i don't know it's uh, they were hoping that one of these parents were going to you know uh just like you know jeff probst is married to a woman he, who, he's married to a woman who has kids from a previous marriage i think that jeff was hoping that somebody else some other uh, parents would get together and find you know have a new extended mixed families this is not step by step jeff <laughs> yeah it could be <laughs> just, i think it's jeff probst's dream to have the survivor cast turn to step by step yeah yeah why not uh, well uh, it's his it's his prerogative it's <laughs> <laughs> a pretty lame theme song yeah all these consider for the 80s i think this was 90s i don't even think this was 80s it was like in like that full house era so maybe yeah maybe like post tjf i think i think full house didn't even start till like 1989 Yeah, this is 1998. Little... Yeah, we have a step by step. Yeah, <laughs> 1998. Oh no, that was the final episode. Final Sorry. episode. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's kind of lame. Okay. So uh, here's one from Haymaker Hattie. Again, we talked a lot about last week about uh, Farm Guy 69. Uh, she says, "My new theory: Kelly helped Dad get set up on Twitter and picked his handle to troll him. If true, I love her more." Do you think that Dale was like, "Hey, Kelly, can you help me get on the Twitter?" 
And she's like, sure thing, dad. Okay, let me, like, uh, oh, what what year were you born again? Like, uh, actually, I don't think he's born 1969. That would yeah, make him like. That would, that would make him. <laughs> like, uh, what, like, hey, dad. 40, what, 44. What, what was the year you went to Woodstock again? Okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> there you go. Have fun, dad. Uh, part of me wonders if it was that guy from To Catch a Predator just, like, can't throwing out handles. Yeah. <laughs> oh this one's not taken i'll take this one <laughs> yeah uh why didn't he go with survivor dale that's available no you gotta stick with, if his followers know him as farm guy 69 he has to stick with it or else he loses the brand and somebody will snatch it up from him okay i guess so uh let's go to uh taylor cotter tweeted uh by the way gonna start referring to all my family friends casual acquaintances as loved ones yeah, it was the most like blase generic way. Like, how does it feel to be here with your loved one? <laughs> yeah. Boy, I mean, that must feel nice, though, when somebody calls you their loved one. Yeah, I, I could I not tell so. you uh, any time that my wife has ever referred to me as a loved one. <laughs> a tolerated one. Yes, if to- if, if, on a good day. On my a good roommate. Day. My roommate. Yeah. yeah uh, mostly it's you. Him. <laughs> <laughs> Your pronouns, just just as a pronoun-based relationship. Yes, yes. Uh, and finally, uh, here's one from uh, uh, our good friend Angie Kant said, uh, did John and Jacqueline get a visit from a Japanese superhero from the future telling them to save the cheerleader? Oh my God, a Hiro Nakamura reference. <laughs> I never thought I'd see the day. <laughs> okay. It's a Siler situation. <laughs> It's a horn rim situation. <laughs> okay. All right, Mike. Well, thank you. This was thoroughly ridiculous. <laughs> this was absolutely ridiculous, but I loved every second of yes, it. Yes, very, very, very fun. Always great to uh, talk to you. Okay, uh, one more time. Tell us how to uh, check out the stuff you're working on between the historians and uh, Once Upon a Time. So if you go to funny115.com slash podcast, you can find the list of all the Survivor Historians episodes. I start appearing on there from... All Stars on. So we did All Stars and Vanuatu in the first episode of Palau. Like I said at the very beginning, the second episode of Palau should be recorded this weekend and hopefully will be up next week. If you go to post show recaps, uh, we are currently covering this season of Once Upon a Time, uh, usually with Kurt Clark. Though this week I had a sub with the uh, great Brent Wolgamot. Uh, so we'll be doing a recap this weekend as well. And also on Monday, I am appearing on the Lost Lives podcast with uh, the Jacob to my man in black, Josh Wiggler. Yeah. We're going to re- we're going to recap uh, the season one, episode six, 10 year anniversary, the House of the Rising Sun. I don't know if you know this, Rob, but I'm actually a big Jin and Sun fan. So oh, we, no. we- so we're going we're gonna to have a Quan cast coming up on Monday. Yeah. Jin and Sun would be great on uh, Lost Blood versus Water. I think we need to do that one next. I know Josh has uh, talked to me about it before in the past. Well, Josh and I did the Walking Dead Survivor uh, earlier this week. We had done Game of Thrones Survivor back when that show uh, was coming back. Back, I think it was like in April or whenever that comes on. But uh, Walking Dead Survivor was pretty ridiculous. That's on Rob's website uh, dot com. All right. So, Mike, here's the next question. Big, the big question uh, that everybody's gonna ask right now. Uh, we need a hashtag. Oh my goodness. <laughs> how do how do I how do we recap these this past like hour and a half of ridiculousness? Uh we could go with I mean a, a not hashtag situ, sticky situation. <laughs> we could go with a variant of that. We could go with hashtag vla, the Vlachinator. Well, uh, yeah, we could throw I could th- th- you know throw some at you. Uh you know there's the stuff you mentioned uh um we have you know I think sticky situation is too on the nose. Yeah. 
I think that, you know, unless Baylor's cutting me a check, I feel like we've done a lot of viral marketing. You might be cutting the Dairy Queen a check at this rate. Cutting the Dairy Queen a check. Um, We've got Scramble City. Uh (laughs) All right. How about uh, Drew Christie Monthly? I like Drew. I like hashtag Drew Christie monthly just because we can keep him in the, in the limelight a little a little while longer. He's basically a badass, and that's why I don't want to. I don't want to let him go. Exactly. He's he's too valuable to let go for now. So um, basically, I'm a badass. <laughs> there it is. There it is. Basically, basically. All right, Mike Bloom. You, you basically you're a badass too. Thank you, thank you. Feel free to feel free to tweet at me, guys. If you've slogged through all this, um, I'm at a, at a Mike Bloom type on Twitter. If you y'all want to reach out to me, at a Mike Bloom type. All right, Mike. Thank you so much. Of course. Thanks for having me again. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye. All right, everybody. There you have it. That was Mike Bloom. Give it up for Mike Bloom. Yes, my, very fun show here with Mike uh, this afternoon. So lots, lots of fun. Got to laugh a lot. Hope you guys did too. It was, got got very ridiculous at times, but uh, that's what makes this very fun for me to do, and hopefully for you guys to listen to. All right. So so much uh, went on this week. First off, I want to thank uh, everybody. I got I got so many. Uh, well wishes on my birthday uh, this past week, and uh, I really did feel the love from the Rob Has a Podcast uh, community uh, from all of Rob Has a Planet. This is my Raptopia. Thank you guys very, very much uh, for for all of that. I really did uh, appreciate that. Uh, we've got a lot going on here on the RHAP networks, of course, on Friday night, I will be talking about Amazing Race with Jessica Lee. If by any chance you missed my interview with Phil Kogan, host of The Amazing Race, that's up on robhasawebsite.com as well. Uh, in addition, all of the stuff that we're doing on post-show recaps, we're going to have our big Boardwalk Empire finale show coming up this Sunday night. Josh Wiggler and I are going to be doing the Walking Dead podcast after the West Coast feed of The Walking Dead. So if you watch Talking Dead and you want to catch us later or on Monday, uh, that'll be up on the West Coast time. And Jeremiah Panhorst and Antonio Mazar will be live after the Boardwalk Empire finale on Monday night. Of course, Josh Wiggler and I are also recapping the final season of Sons of Anarchy all on postshowrecaps.com. We've got a lot coming up going into next week, uh, but it's time to check the calendar. It looks like only 13 people left in the Survivor game. You know what that means? Time to check in with AJ Mass and talk about the 12 archetypes. I'm going to do that podcast on Monday, so I'm going to have that for you guys early next week. Of course, we'll check back in with Kurt Clark on Utopia, have an amazing race exit interview, assuming there's an elimination this week, and and of course, for those of you guys who are our patrons, uh, I will be having the patron cast for October. That's going to be on Monday night, Monday, October 27th. So uh, I'm going to have taking all of your calls uh, for our call-in show. That's how we do the patron cast. We have the phone number. You guys call in, uh, ask me questions about whatever you want. I answer them and try to give you some more insight into uh, lots of the questions that you guys have about whether it's Survivor or things from behind the scenes of Rob as a podcast. That's going to be this upcoming Monday night. If you want to find out more about the benefits of becoming a patron, you can always do so at robhasawebsite.com slash patron. And then thank you as well to all of our new patrons uh, who came on this week. Good to have you 
on board. So uh, very much looking forward to hearing what you guys have to say in the comments. Always love to see, you know, Friday morning. I always want to wake up really early and then I just want to, you know, read through the comments. Mostly I want to hear if I made any mistakes that I left in the podcast that I need to fix right away. That's usually I go to, you know, I start working on this podcast from really early in the morning. I don't finish it until late at night. And, you know, Thursday night, I'm just like, uh, boy, I hope I didn't upload the podcast with any mistakes in it. I'm sure that I did. You guys usually tell me pretty quickly, but uh, it's very hard to find and make sure I didn't make any mistakes here in the three hour podcast. But uh, you guys are great about letting me know and uh, don't make fun of me too much uh, when something happens where I look stupid. And uh, you guys are very, very forgiving great great community love love everybody in the world of robin's podcast especially the people that are listening three hours into a survivor podcast this is going to be our first show which is going to crack the three hour mark i think for this season of survivor so give yourself a big round of applause if you made it this far you're an an amazing person also uh thanks to everybody who continues to use our links for Amazon. I don't talk about it as much as I used to on the podcast. We really appreciate it when you start your shopping at robinswebsite.com slash Amazon. Hopefully you can remember us all the way through uh, this upcoming holiday season. I really can't even believe that uh, we're talking about the holiday season. Looking forward to next week. We're going to talk about it with Kurt Clark and do our Survivor Halloween game. Then uh, we're going to have Vetus on the podcast to talk to all things blood versus water. And then we're going to take some voicemails with snowy michael snow uh so we're going to talk to him about everything that he's seeing this season and take your voicemail so very much looking forward to doing it all over again next week with you all have a great weekend everybody we'll talk to you again soon I do not want my wiener hanging around with bugs to bite, leeches to suck on, and uh, all other kinds of various and sundry uh, negative items that can happen with my bunghole.